Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. We've got a big announcement before we get to the show. We may or may not be coming to a town near you. If you live in Florida or New York, (laughs) that might be a town near you. Hey, it might be. So uh, early March, we have a few uh, dates in Florida. Yes, Floridians. Hopefully Florida man will be there. We've got a (laughs) show on Monday, March 11th in Tampa at the Jabe Theater. Jibe? J-A-E-B. I like the cut of your jabe. No no one knows how to pronounce it, but that's where we're going to be. There's the no way to know. Seven, the show's at 7.30. Again, that's Monday, March 11th. And then the very next day, we have another show in Orlando. Yes, Orlando. We will be blooming in Orlando. And that is at the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts. Doors are at 7. The show's at 8. Again, that's Tuesday, March 12th. You don't want to miss it. Where else are we going to be, Amanda? We are going to be in Fort Lauderdale on Thursday, March 14th. We will be performing at the Amaturo Theater. We're not Amaturos, but we're going to be at the Amaturo Theater. Stay tuned for some more deets on when exactly the doors are going to open. We're still figuring that out, <laughs> but we are going to be at the Amateur Theater on Thursday, March 14th in Fort Lauderdale. And then the week following, we are coming back east. We're going to be in New York City for another Bright Young Things amazing true crime festival. Yes. And I am particularly excited about this because we are going to be hosting a Forensic Files uncorked show. It's basically <laughs> a Forensic Files watch along with us. Uh, hosted by HLN, which is the amazing network that now plays Forensic Files basically 24-7. It's incredible. Love this it. This is going to be hosted at the Gramercy Theater on Friday, March 22nd. The doors for that show are 8 p.m. We really, really, really want you to be there to watch Forensic Files with us. Please, please, please come. Please, 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 please. It's going to be so, so yeah. fun. I'm so excited. For links and information on how to get tickets, go to whiningcrimepodcast.com forward slash live. You are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, I'm Kenyon. I'm Lucy. I'm Amanda. And this week, we have a very special episode. We are joined by not one, but two special guests. Um, Glenn Langenberg and Eric Ray of the Double Loop Podcast. Welcome, guys. Woo! Welcome to our show. Welcome. Thank you guys for having us on. Hello, hello. Thank hello. you. Hello. Hi. We are so excited to chat about what you guys get to chat about on your podcast, which is yeah. fingerprints. Lucy has been Twitter pinned <laughs> all <laughs> It's been distracting to say Eric the got least. me all ramped up a couple weeks ago when we actually yeah. went through some fingerprint analysis and I was, yeah. Twitter painted. It was. Yeah. It was. Lucy's it was so much fun. Never she's been. And, and, she's uh, never been this turned on. She really has the eye for it. Even <laughs> real quick, right away, just some you know basic uh, exercises to learn with. Uh, she was finding some some similarities and differences in the fingerprints. 
I impressed well, him deeply. <laughs> um, all right, well, before that's you, exactly what he said. Good job. Did you find that you actually enjoyed it? That when you found the match, there was this little endorphin release that felt really good? Oh, little. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she, she, Full body endorphin release. Intense. She I really threw away it. her vibrator. Stop. Um, <laughs> so before before we get into it, uh, Amanda, what is our wine crime pairing for fingerprints? The perfect wine does exist, <laughs> and it comes from Thumbprint Cellars in <laughs> Hillsburg, California. Bra- brava! <laughs> brava! <laughs> Nicely done. Um, I chose the Gewurz demeanor because it is their least expensive bottle. <laughs> we're looking out for our listeners. We're All the still, other bottles we're were like cheap. 50 bucks. And I was like, nah, we're a, four, we're a $14 range. Yeah. <laughs> kind of gals. So we are drinking the Thumbprint Cellars 2015 Gewurz demeanor. I never knew is, how to pronounce that. So thank now you. Now you know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's a German varietal that's related to Riesling. Mm -hmm. So they have a lot of similar characteristics. This one is, uh, in particular, is very dry. Uh, A good, solid Gewurztraminer should be dry. It shouldn't err on the side of sweet. Mm -hmm. It should have some nice, you know, floral notes on the nose. You're going to get nectar, honeysuckle, maybe a little bit of peach, jasmine, apricot. In this particular bottle, yeah, when you first taste it on the front end, you're going to get some Granny Smith apple. Hello. Healthy. Normally, you don't want a lot of granny on the front end, but... You don't. (laughs) But in this instance, bring that granny on. Show me the granny. Better than on the back end, but still. Oh, God. Don't need no granny fannies. (laughs) Ew. Let's move on. Exotic Persian lime. Hi. Meyer lemon. Oh. These flavors reach well into the middle palate and develop into rich, textured minerality in the finish. That's one of my favorite things about Gewürztraminer is that it finishes with this, like, really nice mineral effervescent dryness. Mm, It's awesome. And this highly recommends pairing it with an artisan cheese plate... Don't have to tell me twice. Mm-hmm. Or an afternoon delight. Oh. <laughs> it's 14.3% alcohol, which is kind of on the higher end for a white white wine. Mm-hmm. So I like that. So, yeah, it's a popper. Retails anywhere between $15 and $19. You can get it at a lot of big box wine stores, a la Total Wine Bloomington. Total mm-hmm. Wine. Hi, Matt. Hello. Hi, Matt. Hello. Been a while, Matt. I know. It's been a while. It's <laughs> good. Buy my Talk wine to from wine you. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Ran into a sliding door. Ooh, no, it has been a while since that moment. That was bad. <laughs> All right, shall we pop her open? Let's do it. And... Ooh. Ooh. Mineral pap. German pop. Oh, very mm. German pop. Guten Good pop. pop. Oh, we, we both went Nailed there. it. <laughs> <laughs> Gluten free. <laughs> <laughs> so 
so stupid. <laughs> okay, now, Lucy, I know that you are just on the edge of your seat, can't wait. <laughs> Take it away. What is, do, let's do this interview. Let's do this. I'm sliding. Just getting double teamed by these forensic <laughs> experts right, right off right my now. chair here. <laughs> A-framed. Okay. Well, uh, I believe that's finger called ear the press. devil's triangle. <laughs> that's a drinking game. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, the world's so, imploding. Uh, anyway. This episode isn't coming out for a while, but that's okay. Yes. Um, so before we get into a little bit of an interview with Eric and Glenn, I did some research on my own and found some things that I think you will think are interesting. Um, so fingerprint analysis is called ridgeology. So Glenn and Eric, would you consider yourselves ridgeologists? Absolutely. Yeah, and that, that's All exactly right. right. Uh, it's oh. a made-up word that uh, is from a Canadian fingerprint examiner who's famous in our profession. Full of uh, shit. By the name of David Ashbaugh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's completely made up. And uh, the idea was that fingerprint examiners in the past would count a certain number of points and that was considered maybe not best practice. And so he wanted to bring the focus back onto the ridges, comparing ridges, not just points. So mm. he created this made-up term, but now we've all adopted it. And yes, we call ourselves ridgeologists. And we have phrases that try to adopt that, like, ridge on, brother. <laughs> I, I, oh, my God, I love on. it. I'm not going to confirm that. I've never Ick. heard, I've never been encouraged to ridge on, brother, but... Uh, <laughs> So, obviously, it should go without saying, fingerprints are good for forensics and as a means to identify a person because they're relatively resilient and everyone's fingerprints are unique and they also do not change over time. So, permanent scarring is the only way to get rid of your fingerprints or for them to change. Um, fingerprints, or the friction ridges, form on a fetus around six months gestation. I was interested in seeing and like learning how how fingerprints come to be. So I found this super nerdy quote. <clears throat> These epidermal ridges are caused by the interface of the dermal papillae of the dermis and the interpapillary pegs of the epidermis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what any of that means. What, what was nerdy about that? That's yes, yes. That's that's totally what happened. So far, accurate. <laughs> what are inter, what are interpapillary pegs? Eric, you want that one? Uh, sure, sure. So, um, the the where the dermis and the epidermis meet is a complex three dimensional structure uh, that has uh, uh, pegs of the dermis that sticks up and interlocks with the epidermis. So uh, to, to create this tight mesh uh, and that locks everything in. And as additional skin cells are created, that complex structure being maintained in the same way throughout your life is represented on the surface as the same pattern fingerprint throughout your life. It's like Velcro. Uh, 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 Stick in your skin together. Exactly. If you think about your fingers interlocking together as your fingers kind of insert all the way down to each other and if they lock together that's exactly how these papillae pegs do that and it holds the the two skin surfaces together in fact when you die again back to necrophilia mm. when you you die the the chemicals <laughs> that, comes that hold them together the the little tendrils that connect start to dissolve and that's why the skin sloughs off into the skin glove that you might hear about that sometimes yes Woo! 
fingerprint examiners must take that upper layer of skin off. They, they slough it off. They put it on their own finger, usually with a glove in between, and then have to roll that to get those exemplars <laughs> from the corpse. Oh, my God. I love that. That is so the much. grossest <laughs> and it's coolest so, it, thing I've ever heard simultaneously. It's yeah. so weird holding someone's hand when they're not there. <laughs> so because sometimes we'll have to try to find the fingerprint, get the fingerprints off of a hand. So the medical examiner will just chop off the hand and send it to us in a bucket. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> So it's cool. really kind of <laughs> odd. It, it um, is. And you have to have like a gallows humor about it all to kind of keep your sanity. But, um, and, um, well, we get that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at a certain period, though, when the hand is dead and the skin has maybe started that sloughing process, w- at what point do you have to, like, I don't know, maybe rehydrate the fingers to get to get the prints mm-hmm. back. Yep. Like, wh- what is the no going back point when it comes to a dead hand? Well, there there really isn't in, until the skin God. completely yeah. deteriorates. I mean, they we actually have found uh, not e- Egyptian mummified hands, but if someone is out, let's say in Eric's mm. part of the country, he's in Arizona. If they're out in the desert, you know, they start to desiccate and, and go through that dehydration process. And so they have to reconstitute the skin. And, yeah, it's, it's dried like a mummy, but there's different chemicals and soaking methods that will have the skin reabsorb that liquid uh, that will plump it up a bit so that he can actually then roll it and then get prints <laughs> off of it. Have you had to ever do that, Eric? For, da- yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, downy fabric softener um, is... <laughs> Oh, I'm not kidding. I, I will never look at cuddles the same way so ever. Sad. Yeah, you gotta soak it a little bit, <laughs> it get, it, get it from like that leathery texture back into like more of a skin texture. Uh, inject some saline to kind of plump it back up so it's not all wrinkly anymore. And uh, uh, yeah, and even if the skin comes off those those pegs that you were talking about on the dermis, if the epidermis is gone, those are still there in rows that follow the ridges. So. Um, there's lots of different kind oh of ways God. in the biology. Y'all are free. Uh, I can help reconstitute interpapillary pegs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. What? <laughs> I hate that more Ew, than anything I've ever heard in my life. That is my new thing. Okay. So happy. Oh no. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. Just back to uh, how fingerprints are formed. Another cool little factoid I found um, says the ridge pattern development not only depends on genetic factors, but also unique physical conditions, such as the fetus's exact location in the womb, as well as the density of the woman's amniotic fluid. And this can explain why identical twins have the same genetic code, but can have different fingerprints. Yep. Super cool. Yeah, that's that's uh, fairly true. Yep. Yeah. The, the so, DNA unit will, will, you know, needs us still to to distinguish between twins. So there, take that DNA. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Fingerprints are far superior. Um, there are a few medical conditions that can cause a person to not have fingerprints at all, such as a derma, ooh, a dermatoglyphia. Mm-hmm. Nailed yeah. it. Excellent. Ooh. Nice job. What's 
What's going on there? What's what's with that? Well, how would you not have fingerprints? So they still have fingerprints. They they're they're just not arranged in, into ridges the way that we think about fingerprints. So they still have all the same characteristics. They're just not organized into a fingerprint. We see this sometimes too with people that go on cancer medications or other kinds of medications that can affect growth of the cells because it really is a, a mitotic, you know, mitosis cell division concept. And so anything that disrupts that or affects that can affect how the fingerprints eventually look. And you will see people that had fingerprints for years, they go on this medication, and then suddenly it, it sends everything wonky in their, their signaling system in the skin. And if, yeah, if they have this either uh, a predisposed condition that they're born with or something later, then the arrangement of the ridges no longer stays stable. And it just kind of looks like a bunch of dots or little short ridges. And it's not organized in any kind of pattern type that you you know, you know might recognize, like a loop or whirl or an arch. Mm -hmm. Weird. Uh, so they're not smooth. Well, they're just like disorganized. There, there is a really rare condition where that uh, I read about that's like mainly centered on a, like a small family in Switzerland oh, where they do yeah. have just smooth fingers. But that is like like probably less than 20 people in the world. It's really rare for that. Um, the And the weird, but there's obviously exactly, a genetic component exactly. in the whole family. Yep. And so they should definitely be criminals. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, no, they them. shouldn't because then they'll be more easily identified. to be like, look, the palm print is there. Somebody was here. They weren't wearing gloves and they have zero fingerprints. It's definitely the Von Hofer family yeah, it, in no. fucking it is, Lutz or whatever. It is way easier to like not have the fingerprints convict you of a crime. Uh, to just wear gloves rather than mm. try to get rid of your fingerprints by like burning them off or having a genetic mm. defect or becoming superhuman. Just yeah. simple pair of gloves oh, will okay. defeat our entire discipline. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, <laughs> right, that very, very simple uh, solution. People have gone to these great lengths to try to destroy or mutilate their fingerprints. And as Eric says, uh, all you need to do is just wear gloves. I mean, John Dillinger <laughs> is a great example. Yep. Um, back in the 30s, he basically took like a ice pick, like an awl, and he would dig holes into the middle of his uh. fingerprints and pour hydrochloric acid uh. <laughs> to burn the skin. Oh! But... Uh, uh, As you guys pointed fuck? out, that actually makes it more distinctive and it's very suspicious yeah. <laughs> to a jailer when they see that there is this deliberate damage. They try to identify him that much harder. Mm -hmm. uh, and then all the other ridge detail yeah. around the finger uh, in that damaged area is still fine. I mean, it goes up into the tip in your finger joints, your palms, soles of your feet, toes. That's all identifiable friction ridge skin. And he's still easily identifiable with all of that palm area. But, you know, he did all this damage to his fingers, and it didn't do him any good. <laughs> nope. Sucker. I, I remember reading, I just have this vague memory of reading about this, like, suspected mobster mm -hmm. who chewed off his fingerprints in the, in the jail cell, but then they were still able to identify him by other means. Yep. Yeah, because the bottoms yep. of your feet have, have unique prints, too. <coughs> mm -hmm. So hopefully he was wearing shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, backing up just a little bit, Glenn and Eric, can you tell us about um, your businesses? Sure. Like what you what you do, and then also, Eric, I want to talk about your artwork because Absolutely. that's so cool. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, uh, Eric, do you want to go first? 
Or, uh, um, you know what, because you're going to... Go ahead, because... Yeah, because you'll get into the art. Let me just do mine. Mine's, mine's yeah. less artistic and interesting. Um, so I, I worked for the state of Minnesota at very up until fairly recently for about 19 years in their crime lab here. So if you guys are from Minnesota, you're probably familiar with the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension. I was a, mm -hmm. yeah, I was yeah. a fingerprint examiner there and on the crime scene team, and then uh, recently a drug chemistry supervisor for the last five years or so. And as of just just last week, I wow. I left the BCA to go solo. I've been wanting to do this for a while. I have my own consulting company called Elite Forensic Services, and I do a lot of private casework from around the country. Great cases where I get defense attorneys calling me convince their guy is innocent they want me to look at the evidence uh i might get a prosecutor saying look we've got a very difficult case we want to bring someone in from the outside to take a second look at this i get involved in research projects or uh, training seminars i do a lot of training around the world different kinds of classes for fingerprint examiners and courtroom testimony so i i, I kind of have my business involved in lots of different aspects of forensics right now but uh I, it was time to move on from my cushy government job and try something new and exciting and <laughs> take a little bit of risk and get out there so that's that's what I'm doing these days. Cool. Congratulations. Good for you. Thanks. That's Thanks. awesome. Yeah, congrats. Thanks. I, I, I really had amazing times at the BCA, but I will tell you that I could never have come on this podcast while I was working at the BCA. Uh, and especially having listened to some of your, your previous Fair episodes. Enough. Yeah, I, I think uh, <laughs> that would have been a very difficult... Nah, no, Never could nope, have done not, it. Not uh, <laughs> Hard Not sell. with the adult Hard content. Hard sell to your bosses. I appreciate you making yes, this decision. That's exactly for what us <laughs> you really quit your job at a convenient time. Well, for and, us. and now I can talk about cases <laughs> yeah. that I could never Just talk to be about before. Not that they're all from BCA. In fact, I have lots of cases from all over. So I won't say ever what agency they're from. But now I will feel more comfortable without my right, overlords right. possibly uh, being concerned mm -hmm. about talking about information I shouldn't be. Wise, mm -hmm. very wise. I love it. And I'll still have to be careful because I still work for a government agency. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, my, my company, Ray Forensics, also does a lot of training uh, all over um, and uh, uh, some consulting, um, kind of like what, what Glenn described. Uh, he's, uh, he's much more out there on the consulting side than I am at this point. Um, but uh, the training thing is just amazing. Just being able to go across the country, even around the world, to talk to fingerprint examiners uh, is uh, is an opportunity I just never thought I'd have, uh, and I'm so I just feel lucky to, to be able to do that. Uh, and it's uh, Glenn has also been there, but I taught uh, my class in Taiwan, and it's amazing how the the fingerprint language of like what you're seeing, what you're looking at, what you're comparing, you know, kind of trumps just the other language barriers, and uh, even mm. even you know. When uh, you know they're speaking Chinese and just pointing to things, I can still tell what they're talking about uh, because of what they're seeing on the screen. But um, uh, yeah, what you had mentioned the artwork. So uh, a few years ago, my brother works at a metal shop, uh, you know, doing um, and used to run the laser cutter there. So we kind of had this moment of, oh, you know, let's see if we can combine what we do for a living. Uh, so. I'd send him designs I've worked up uh, out of people's fingerprints for him to laser cut out of metal. So I don't know if you guys can see on the drive or in the in the chat, 
uh, here the uh, one of the pieces I just did a couple months ago. Yeah, I dropped it in the drive for you guys to look at. The one with the heart. Oh, I see it. Yes, that's a real fingerprint. So that's it's two. That yeah. is so, so cool. Um, this one, uh, you know, a customer had emailed me asking if if uh, I could do a design for uh, her son and uh, his fiance's uh, wedding. Uh, so that's their their cool. wedding date, and then his is on the left and hers is on the right, and I kind of put it into a heart thing. That's so and cool. And it's cut, laser cut into this mirror finish stainless steel. So I don't know, it just looks. I was really happy with that. And on my website, rayforensics.com, there's other things. Um, I do still like retirement gifts and just wall decorations and stuff like that. Uh, so that is so, that's awesome. I, I'm having a little bit of trouble hearing you, so I'm sorry if you already mentioned this. But do you do jewelry? Uh, the jewelry. You- oh yeah, you should I've do seen jewelry. Some people do the jewelry thing, um, and that's. Um, my brother's metal shop doesn't have that kind of equipment, uh, but I've do, I have seen um, companies that do that kind of jewelry things out of people's fingerprints. Uh, just with the equipment that I have, maybe that's something to get into here eventually. But with the equipment of what I know how to do and design right now, it's been like more of the wall hanging kind of art. But um, well, they're it's very gorgeous. Cool. It's, yeah, we it's encourage really, really anyone cool listening to go check out Eric's artwork. What's your website again, Eric? Rayforensics.com. Rayforensics.com. So cool. Yeah, you know, and in so fact, cool. when I first met Eric, he was taking one of my classes back back in the day, <laughs> and he was doodling, and I just kept watching. <laughs> you taught him everything he was, he knows. He was in the front row, and I kept watching out of the corner of my eye while he was doodling, and I went, Man, that's actually pretty cool. And at the end of class, he had this really cool doodled fingerprint. Uh, I still have. I have it framed. It's really cool. Uh, it, it's it's amazing. Oh, and he gave it to me. Yeah, he gave it to me as the instructor. A little kiss ass at the end, and said, "Here, here, here, here you go, instructor." <laughs> oh my god! But I should yes. tell what how we how we kind of. You know, that, like like he said, he was you know the instructor for like the first class I took on fingerprints, and um, it's when we first saw. So we all had to say, well, <laughs> we all had. Weren't you pissed that seriously? he was not paying attention though? He was just doodling. No, well, that's actually, how I pay attention. Needed... No, we I, we all yeah. know this as fingerprint examiners that doodling in art is the sort of thing that you do that. There's something something about really good fingerprint examiners. They all tend to doodle. We've noticed this over the years, so it was actually a really good sign. And and that's, that's how so cool. that's how I actually pay attention because if I don't don't I don't yeah. distract myself in some other way, I'll start thinking of something other crazy stuff and then lose track of where the conversation's going. But uh, mm-hmm. we're yeah, all the same when, way. Uh, yeah, Lucy Lucy colors. I'm coloring right, right now. now actually, yeah, <laughs> through yeah. everyone's segments when she's when we're recording. So you can sometimes like listeners with really good ears will sometimes be like, I could hear Lucy's like coloring in the background. Yeah. Sorry about yeah, it. Yeah, that's a good I'm sign. A good time. Yeah, you guys could probably make good fingerprint examiners, as we're already finding out. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm already basically an accredited fingerprint analysis. <laughs> an analyst oh God, no, she is not. Disclaimer: No, so when, she is Eric, not. send me a certificate. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, in crayon, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a backwards R. <laughs> I am loving every second of this. Okay, so next question. We sort of covered this. Uh-huh. Um, my question was, why do we even have fingerprints? Because it seems like a setup. Mm. <laughs> 
So it's if, is it really just how our skin, our epidermis connects to our whatever the sub epidermis is? Yeah, I mean well, we're not the only. Go ahead, Eric. Uh, we're not the only creatures with uh, with these friction ridge um, uh, skin. You know, a lot of the, the primates all have it on their hands and feet. Um, uh, koalas Koala have it, yeah, and uh, <gasps> there's some monkeys ha- have it on their tails. Um, so it's it's mainly it aids oh. and helps in gripping and holding on to things. So that's why they call it friction ridges. Uh, so oh, is okay. that the reason why we don't have any sort of like identifiable printing all over our body wherever our skin connects? Well, some, there are right. some people I've seen and, working and, on that that with tattoos, <laughs> but uh, um. don't call me out like that. <laughs> Amanda Rude. is very identifiable. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's believed to be uh-huh. some sort of evolutionary throwback thing because, like Eric said, it's even on the tails of these certain monkeys that use their tails to grasp things. So it's it's on the surfaces that would make connections mm. with other surfaces. Uh, no, no one right. really knows. I mean, that's really part of the theory, but it's uh, it's believed to have some sort of evolutionary exactly. rudi- rudimentary uh, fun- function. Hmm. That's super cool, yeah. actually. I didn't know that about yeah, the tails. Yeah, cool. Do cats have fingerprints? Nope. Neither no. do dogs. No. <laughs> God nope. damn it. Uh, although their their muzzle, <laughs> they do their have muzzle nose prints, prints are believed to be unique. Oh, that's oh, precious. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Little snoot, snoot prints. <laughs> Will you snoot. make me a heart artwork out of my fingerprint and my cat's nose print? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is totally Eric, cool. that, that sounds no, like just, an, oh easy, yeah, it's an easy Sunday afternoon for you. Oh, my God. Well, the hard part will be for you to collect uh, mm. a print from your cat's nose. Mm. Get your. I'm not sure how this... Film yourself. Please film yourself. <laughs> yes, Putting trying. ink on your cat's nose yep. and then putting yes, it onto please. a piece of paper. <laughs> for more Patreon content. I'll wait till she's sleeping. Oh, okay. Or I'll just wait a few more years until she's dead. It'll be a post-mortem thing. (laughs) Oh, my God. Dark. Pets die, you guys. Pets die. We know. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, let's talk about some specific ways that ridgeology impacts criminal cases. So when you get, like, a file on your desk, something to examine, what are, lead us through the steps of how you do that. I mean, yeah, I know I, them because I'm an expert now, but for these other two. <laughs> sure. Uh, for these for, noobs over For these here. yahoos. For these Tony bongos. <laughs> Mimbos. <laughs> so a lot of times, you know, evidence will come in in one of two ways. Either it comes in processed or unprocessed. I mean, if it's processed, then it's done at the scene by these techs, and they will basically submit images of fingerprints to you. Uh, Sometimes it comes in where you have to process the evidence. That can be kind of fun, and you have to use different chemicals or powders to visualize latent prints, and latent just means hidden, so these hidden fingerprints that are on on these surfaces. Or they send you like a full hand. Or they'll send you a full hand, but those are for the exemplars. So you start with the latent print. The latent print comes from the crime scene. You've got, you know, the Mm. fingerprints that are left behind by the criminal at the scene when they, let's say, burglarize the house or break into your car or whatever. So that's the latent print that's left behind. And then you have to compare it to the exemplar prints. The exemplar prints are people in a database. They're uh, inked fingerprints in the system. Uh, They're the digital scans or, yes, the, the hand from the morgues, you know, whatever. You have to compare it to a known print. So we're always comparing the unknown latent 
to the exemplar print, and then we look for corresponding features between the two, and then at some point we make a decision once we've seen an, uh, enough sufficient agreement, and that's always a, well, I'm sure we'll get to, that's kind of the sticking point between uh, where the critics have been attacking fingerprint science, is, well, how much is enough? Mm. How many matching characteristics do you need to be able to make an ID? Uh. So we, we reach this level of sufficiency where the analyst, based on training, experience, knowledge, study, et cetera, is convinced these are likely from the same source and the chance that I'm wrong is relatively low. And then they report what we call an identification decision. Mm. Does a an hour and a half on a Google Hangout chat count <laughs> as sufficiently prepared to make that call? Obviously, yes. yes. That that all that time will go towards your ten thousand hours that are that are basically needed to become an expert. <laughs> so I'm it like counts. Half you're, you're almost one ten thousandth of the way there. <laughs> well, you know what? Although there are some defense experts out there that will that defense defendants will hire defense attorneys will hire that will go into court and say things about fingerprints that honestly don't have a whole lot more training than what you already went through. So mm. that's true, um, sadly, but if, true. If you're, it's it's actually if, one of the biggest problems yeah. with forensic science, and it really is a problem. It's, it's really not regulated or controlled. Uh, we, you know, we in the profession, and we've had a lot of criticism lately, and some of it's pretty justified. I mean, Eric and I have been through proper training and gone through, you know, certification courses and all these things that you should do to be an expert, but anyone and and we're not joking if you guys wanted to put on your website we are now fingerprint examiners nobody could stop <gasps> you you could yes. go online <gasps> and read articles and and potentially even qualify in court if you have more than the average person in their knowledge and training on fingerprints and that's what eric is saying that unfortunately happens there's no real regulation in forensics and that's it's an issue and in fact during during our um, mock court one of the things that we'll sometimes bring up is that hairdressers in Minnesota, hairdressers have more <laughs> required training hours and certification, mm. their, their licensing, which is regulated by the state, that is more regulation and training than some fingerprint examiners will get. And that's, or, or other forensic disciplines, DNA the exception, but, and that's really scary, frankly. That, that is, is scary, scary but is really but I'm scary. also relieved. it's our new goal to try to undermine your entire profession by yeah. becoming a fake fingerprint. And I'm actually an relieved because I already put that on my LinkedIn, so I know <laughs> no one's coming after me. <laughs> and and then on the other side, actually, there have been some mistakes, uh, not just on the defense side but the prosecution side, where the police will will you know have someone come in and do a comparison because they say they're an expert mm. and they're really not. Uh, so, um, the, the, some of those mistakes have happened from relying on people that, that overstate their qualifications. Mm. What yep. are some other pitfalls, like some common traps that an, an analyst can fall into when it comes to comparing that latent versus the exemplar print? Well, the, actually the, um, what everyone thinks about with a mistake is you identify the wrong person. And while that does happen, it's really pretty rare uh, for just the number of fingerprint comparisons that happen out there in the world. Uh, but more common is actually uh, saying that it doesn't match when it actually does. 
So what happens more often is uh, someone will exclude a print, say it's not this guy, but it actually is. So that's what we call those erroneous exclusions. And uh, about six, seven, eight years ago, a paper came out that showed how common those were in our field. And that's, you know, that's really the big pitfall that we, we're trying to address now. And then I think uh, the other thing that's happened, even maybe even more common than that, is um, examiners or labs will say that a fingerprint's no, it's, it's not worth comparing when, it act, again, it actually is. And there's been a, a number of labs that have had issues with basically throwing away latent prints that could have been compared, uh, but they weren't. And then when, you know, review happens, and they go back and find all this, then all sorts of trouble happens. And there's no one really checking up on that, right? Because if, if you get the identification wrong you know, in the rare times that happens, obviously there's a guy in prison that doesn't belong there and he wants mm-hmm. to fight against it. But if you miss it, if you miss the opportunity to identify somebody, there's no one really like pushing to correct that mistake. Uh, yeah. So that's something that we just have to work on as a field to uh, to get better at uh, and, and address. And we're still talking really low error rates here, but, um, you know, the goal is to get rid of ever, all the all the problems. Crazy. Can you tell us about some specific cases where that you worked on where there was like really bizarre circumstances or like a, you know, some weird aspect of the fingerprint itself? Is Are there any cases that stick out in your mind that are just like, whoa, that was weird? Where like a figure of Jesus appeared oh both on a piece <laughs> of toast Mary. and in a fingerprint. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Glenn, why don't you start with this one? Yeah. <laughs> I know you have a story about Jesus and a fingerprint, so we're going to popcorn over to you. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I, I have had a chance to work on some pretty interesting cases I mean, from around the world, and uh, I probably couldn't get into all of them now. But uh, one of the ones that was actually most, I, I think, satisfying for me was one that from Minnesota. And, you know, you guys may even remember this one. I think it was back in 2000 three or so there was a state park worker out in western minnesota that was killed while while working uh at a state park you know the little the little shack where you pay you know to to get into the state park she yeah. was working on memorial day weekend uh her name was carrie nelson uh, i don't know if it rings a bell but you can look it up it uh it she's she was a college student who was just home from college and had just taken back her summer job a really tragic story she was working at this at this state park we believe she had gone into the bathroom perhaps and uh just a little side bathroom there and so one this guy came in and saw that the place looked empty not realizing that she was in the bathroom and he goes around behind the counter, and this is western Minnesota. It's right on the border of South Dakota, and it's way out there in Laverne, Minnesota, the nearly South Dakota mm. border. And it, it, the safe is open. The cash register is all there. The, the back room is open, and he just basically sees an opportunity to take some money. And we think he goes back there, starts taking money from this, and then she comes out of the bathroom, and he didn't realize she was in there, and he grabs this rock and this, this rock had the state park logo on and all that. He grabs this large rock and just beats her to death with it. It's ter- a oh. terrible, ter- terrible crime. And this guy is just a fucking asshole. Yeah. So, 
So, uh, yeah, we don't usually get to say that on our, our podcast. We, we clean it up a little. Oh, Not for you guys. We We're, welcome the F word on ours. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> this guy was. He was just, he was a complete piece of shit. And, yeah. you know, he, he murders her and then takes off. But two things were left behind. There was this watch that appears to have come off of uh, his wristband. And that was bro- broken and next to her body. And then there was this, uh, some, some, palm, uh, some palm prints that were left. And the palm prints were left on the counter right next to the body. There were a couple of other things. There were a bunch of other fingerprints near the safe as well. But none of them ever panned out. We searched them in every database around the world and they never went anywhere in fact now we believe there was probably someone in the factory who made that part of the safe and that those fingerprints had just lasted on that surface forever because they're just sort of in a a protected area but i mean you don't know at the time and they're just you, you never know but the the palm prints end up being sort of the key here and the palm prints are on this counter next to the body so the, with the palm prints at that time, we didn't really have good palm print databases. We had a fingerprint database you could search, but really not a palm print database. There were, uh, uh, if you had palm prints from a scene, you had to basically be presented with a suspect to compare. And they had brought, they kept bringing in um, 300, 400 different suspects. And, and I just kept comparing them over and over and over and never really found anybody. My God, and that's yeah. that's one of the more frustrating that's parts of the job work. is the yes, the tediousness of it. And this case mm. went cold, and we just we spent all this time year year after year after year just doing these comparisons. And on the other side of the house, the DNA folks were working hard to extract DNA from the watch that was left behind. And in fact, they found three DNA profiles on the watch: one that went back to the victim, so they could eliminate her, and then there was a mixture of what we call wearer DNA in the watch band, you know, sweat and skin cells from two different people who likely mm-hmm. had worn the watch. And it was a male and a female profile. And <laughs> when you've got mixture DNA, you can't upload that into a database. And at least at that time, they, you could only upload single profile DNA. So because it was a mixture and it wasn't really complete, they couldn't really do anything with that either. And so you, you had can to isolate them now, can't you? Yeah, now you can, but even then, it's still there's a lot of probabilistics involved in it. Kind of depends. It's, it's okay. a lot of statistics, and the databases usually prefer single profiles because they don't want to muddy up the database with profiles that they aren't sure are from a single com- contributor. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, that's because fair. I mean, when you're dealing with DNA, you see all these different peaks, but you don't know which peaks necessarily go to which person. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, uh, so anyway, so they have this mixture. They, they do start trying to upload into some local databases. They can't upload in the federal database, but they can upload into the local ones, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, and, and kind of go mm-hmm. through it by hand. And every time they would generate a list of potentially 10 to 20 people that could match any combination of these profiles. And the investigators then just have to go down that list and just – chug away and figure out, okay, well, this guy's in prison at the time, this guy's now dead, this guy's that, and just go down the list. And eventually they found a couple of people that they looked into a little bit more based on some other eyewitness stuff from the scene where they saw a car speeding off and some other little details. They, they go and talk to what they thought was the person's wife at the time, and they talk to her, and she gives up some information, and she volunteers her sample, and lo and behold, it's a perfect match to the, to the female profile on the watch. 
So now that they got her profile, they can now isolate the remaining profile. And ah. then then once they've got that, they now start going after this guy. They, you know, they do the garbage search, discarded cigarette butts. They eventually get his uh, sample of his DNA, and now it's a match to the other one. So they can actually now match these two profiles and go talk to him. And they go and interview him. They sit down and they ask him about this crime. And he is he is locked and ready and loaded with, oh, you found my watch. It was stolen in 2003. I was wondering what oh, happened to yeah. the watch. So he mm -hmm. immediately had an alibi. And because it is a transportable thing, and it, he said it was stolen, could that have been reasonable doubt? I mean, it's the only thing that's there, except when we took his palm prints there was no way he could deny those at this point because he said during his interview, I've never been to that state park. I never had anything to do with that. I've certainly never been in that building. And I certainly never would have been anywhere near that safe. But now that we've got his palm prints on an immovable surface in that building, a building that he had said I'd, he'd never been to and had never been in, the palm prints really sunk him on that. We couldn't have identified him without the DNA as a suspect, but the palm prints basically put him at the scene. It was a great combination of how forensic evidence sometimes is not just one thing but requires a lot of synergy between different kinds of evidence and the investigation to be able to go that's the dirt bag that did this and it uh, it really came together very nicely i bet you had a beer that night <laughs> well, I, I was very, very wine. excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit of a wine drinker. I, I like my beer, but a bit of a wine drinker. Yeah, I'm just everyone was so excited to solve this case. And sadly, I mean, I, I can, I will say this. I mean, yes, and Eric, you can attest to this. And of course, we want justice for the victim. I mean, everyone wants that. And it's a terrible crime. But when you're the fingerprint examiner, when you're the forensic person, you don't really think of it that way. You really just think about I just want to solve this case and get it off my desk. I just want to get mm. it out of my life. I mean, I've had this on my desk for six years. Every single week I get new people to look at, and it just I just want to solve it. I just want to finish this and be able to put a check mark. It's done. And then you meet the family, yeah. and then you meet all these other people, and you realize, oh, my God, I mean, the, the emotions involved. But as the forensic person, I think that's why we kind of gravitate towards that. We don't ever have to deal with talking to the families, the victims, et cetera. Right. It's really uncomfortable. We just like being in the lab, little lab rats doing our thing and being far removed from that side of it. But ultimately, I mean, I was very glad it got solved. They did, I think, like a Forensic Files episode and a couple of other... Um... They did. I just looked that up. It's called uh, Watchful Eye, oh. season 13, episode 45. Oh, my God. And yes. Glenn is in that episode. You can see Glenn. No. Um, right. Yeah. I, I also uh, am on ago. IMDb. Uh, because of that episode. Yeah. I mean, it's no zombie that. movie, but it's up Yeah, there. I know. I can't I, believe you um, both have IMDb's. This is so bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I'm jealous. Uh, so with that episode, I was watching just, I had Forensic Files on, like, on the TV in the background a few years ago. And uh, uh, anyway, it was kind of in the background. I set the timer. It was going to go off. I was falling asleep. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, I hear Glenn's voice in my room. My nasally <laughs> voice in your ears. <laughs> like, that's like my worst nightmare is Glenn? like drifting off to sleep and then hearing like Lucy or Kenyon's voice just coming from my TV I would I'd probably freak especially out especially if it was me as cuddles so um I'm gonna uh, talk a little bit about um 
um, not a specific case. I'll talk about a specific case here in a minute, but I want to. I'll mix it up here a little bit with a little more of on the humor side. Um, so Glenn was talking about how we get in evidence that sometimes is pre-processed, sometimes is yeah. unprocessed. If it's pre-processed, then the officer or crime scene tech or whoever it is out there will uh, have to write down where this fingerprint came from and often draw a little picture uh, that oh, goes no. along with that. So I'd like you guys to uh, – this is a this is a recreation of some <gasps> – Yes! <laughs> some drawings that have come in on the back of uh, fingerprint cards – so again, you, you you put the tape on the surface, you lift the fingerprint off, you put it onto a card to save that evidence of that fingerprint after you powder it at the scene. So you're telling me a cop drew this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a cop drew this very clear penetrating wiener. <laughs> well, okay, so why don't, I'm not sure if you guys can share, you know, have, have a way to put oh, up pictures with your do. episodes. But, oh, we do. Okay. Um so then go ahead and you know you can put this up as well but there so there's a picture on the left and then a pair of images on the right. So first off, just describe to me what you're seeing on the drawing on the left. What I'm seeing on the drawing on the left is a crudely drawn bed. Okay. With a very obvious schlong. um mask mascot's head <laughs> with a schlong entering it. Okay. The schlong is accompanied by one bloated testicle covered in follicle marks. A and off testicle. to the right are either two egg rolls or two additional or Chinese finger traps mm. or okay. floating penises disembodied balls. wieners with oh. like X's on them. One has an acorn on it. Well, let me let me also say, Glenn, are you seeing the picture as uh, well? In my head, I am now after their I mean, description. We just illustrated it visually. Okay, because I think it's, it should be uh, I think I, I emailed it to you as well if you want to bring this up. Okay. Um, I should add in, usually after you draw the item that uh, the fingerprint came off of, uh, usually mark exactly where the fingerprint came from with like an X or a circle. Um, so if you're seeing that, you know, th also just, oh, you know, think that X marks the spot. X These X's the spot. don't look super so, exact yeah. though. <laughs> um, but so, uh, thankfully the drawings are usually also accompanied by a written out description of what the surface is. Um, so, uh, any guesses other, other than the obvious, um, um, Penile location. <laughs> Other oh than God, a wiener yes. or a finger trap uh, or an egg roll. Can we exclude all of those right. things? You can. You can. Uh, it's not a wiener. It is not a finger trap. It is not an egg roll. Then what the fuck I feel like is it? Because I'm maybe out of ideas. Maybe the one on the left is a golf club. <laughs> and the, okay. you know, the ball uh, so is like... The, the, the clue with the one on the left is the, <laughs> is the big square... And um, so anyway, the one on the left was labeled as a safe handle. That's a safety pin? A, no, a safe handle. Oh, oh, okay. oh <laughs> I see it. <laughs> okay. What? So the testicle um, is like the dial for the safe? Yeah. I, yes. Oh, God. <laughs> this that man is needs help. Awesome. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't know how you can draw something like that and not... It not immediately go, oh, no, I've drawn something that looks like something else. <laughs> um, 
but they drew that and then labeled it safe handled and just submitted it into the lab. Uh, so we have a little collection going. Uh, these again are recreations of the of the collection, um, uh, and not exaggerated. This is exactly what it so you looks like. Feel like a hall of shame for all of these horrible yeah, exactly. drawings that you get. I love some of, it. So, uh, some of them are really beautiful and shaded nicely, but. Uh, uh, on that note of crazy things I've gotten from cops, and now that you know you guys are fingerprint examiners, you will appreciate this. I, <laughs> yes. We get you heard it here. We people. get these exemplar prints in from cops, so they you know have a suspect or a victim, and in this case, these were the homeowners, the victims. And you know sometimes you want their prints to be able to eliminate them, so you're left with you know the the perpetrator's prints. Yeah. And they had basically inked up the the fronts of the, you know the the hands of the individuals and taken those exemplars and I'm not joking they then put ink on the backs of their hands and their fingernails and all the backs and then turned their hands over and took exemplar prints of those as well so they got the fronts Honey, no. what? and the backs Honey, no. which is great because Did... if you think about handling items with the backs of your hands I'm just think about picking up your wine glass with the back of your hand and how difficult that yeah. would be. It's highly yeah. unlikely. But they were uh, very like thorough. And what do you know about the backs of your hand and friction-rich skin? I mean, that there aren't prints I on there. Don't. There aren't any friction ridges on the backs of your hands. Duh. True that. Oh, my God. Did they, did they print so, the bottoms of their feet? And the tops of their feet, too. No, they did not. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. The tops. <laughs> That's what the they nasty do with new toenails babies. on it. Yes, oh. Oh, my god. oh my god. Wow. Wow. Oh, okay. So it. now the the objects on the right. Um, yeah. A hint, they're the same they're it's two drawings of the same thing. Is this in the same case? The safe case? No, different, totally oh, okay. different case. Wow, there's a lot of dicks floating around, Oh, huh? I was associating them with each yeah, other, and now I can't disassociate yeah. them. Yeah. Okay, oh, no, so no, no, these are X, two separate cases. The X is where the fingerprint is. Right. Oh, Glenn, Lord. you're the expert here. Uh, you may have seen drawings like this. Any any guesses from your your uh, your perspective? Well, I I, re I really would have gone with uh, well maybe shake weights or finger traps. <laughs> <laughs> Hot dogs. <laughs> There's fingerprints all over these finger traps. Uh, those are soda cans. <laughs> no, no, they're not. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, are they Red Bull cans though? Are they Red Bull? <laughs> I don't know. All I said was soda can. Um, the, that is the skinniest, longest <laughs> yeah. soda can I've ever. I hate it. I'm I, so I thought I, I'm really glad you ended that sentence with soda can. I thought you were going to say something else there for skinniest to longest. The skinniest, longest <laughs> phallic image I've seen in many moons. <laughs> Okay. So we do have some fun, and if you guys have your internet open... I do. I have it oh, open yeah. to your IMDb okay. page. <laughs> I better open a new tab. Go to, uh, to clpex.com. So, C-L-P-E-X. No, C, Charlie, Lima, uh, Prairie, Echo, Xavier. X. Xylophone. <laughs> Xylophone. C-L-P-E-X. I'm there. Okay, and you can scroll down just a little bit and you see smiley oh my faces. God. Yep. Oh. Take me there. 
What? So these are one, some of the other fun things we find in fingerprints is smiley faces or That's question, a question marks. Mark. You guys, I know, isn't that cool? So cute. <laughs> so oh you God, click I'm on that. Obsessed. If you click on that, or if your listeners, you know, want to click on that, um, and is it? Oh, there oh it goes. Oh my God! There are there, so many. There's like a hundred or like there's a ton of. <laughs> I wish I had a little like two hundred little I smiley faces. It. Yeah, I mean, and this is the so stuff that makes faces, you easy to identify. This is the stuff where we just I and mean, we just lose our shit when we see this, and we go, "Oh my God, this is awesome." <laughs> There's like a st um, some of these are like legit, like a legit emoji. If, if you if yeah, you scroll exactly. down, look at like Gary like Cushman, Idaho State Police. Oh this is one of them is like a, a scream. Do you see the G? Exactly, I love the There's scream one. There's a G one. one too, and I and I use <gasps> that one sometimes in my emails. The little the little G. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> oh. Okay, there's one I want to ask you about. Um, let's see. Okay. It's about Linda Jones. Tamara Jurgis. It's on like the uh, left half of the page. It's maybe ten rows down-ish. It's like a big white spot with a face in the middle. On the on the uh, oh yeah, I Tamara see it. Okay. Jurgis. So yeah, so that's not. A part of like the fingerprint pattern that's like a a scar or yeah some sort of something wrong with the skin or ink wasn't really applied to all of the oh, finger okay. and then it just happened to uh, leave a big smiley face uh, and you're like what the fuck is this dumbass <laughs> doing taking this print? so she did not have just a big expanse of no fingerprint and then just a fucking smiley face <laughs> in the middle of that she scraped that off and then carved <laughs> in the face. Exactly. She's no, it's, been working on this for years. There's um, you. You often start to get a, a feel for um, kind of some of the people's other habits because you can tell uh, from just little burn scars on their fingers whether or not someone is addicted to meth. Oh, uh, because oh, they've got yeah. these little circle burns on their fingers, yep. and that's it's, very good. Um, it's, we see them all the time and, you know, when you're new, you're, you start asking your coworkers, what's this? I see it like on everyone's fingers, not everyone, but like lots of people. And, uh, you're, oh yeah, those are just meth burns, meth scars. So, Eric, are you there? I'm oh. still there. I was just saying those are, oh, those are just, uh, burns from okay. smoking meth. Oh yeah. They're just wow. meth burns. It's fine. Yeah, there, oh there's gosh. a couple. Uh, <laughs> if you go down a little bit further, the Linda Jones one is pretty cool because it really does look like a face, but it's in a, a scarred area. There is yeah. the Michael Williams just to the left of that that looks like Venom, which is timely because that movie just came out. And uh, then if you go a little bit under yeah. that one, yeah. Michelle Triplett, uh, that has the G in it, which I, I just love that one. There you go. G for Glenn. Michelle Triplett. These are so cool. Yeah. Uh, so that's like oh. know, five or six up from the bottom, kind of in I the middle. I see your G. Yeah. Right. That's so yeah. precious. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. What a really cool website. Thank you for showing this to us. Yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> so yeah, this is like the, the secret, you know, latent print examiner website where we go on to the forum here to talk about fingerprint stuff and, and, uh, and berate, this is a big resource for late print examiners, examiners and yell at them and 
we have, this is where we have our Twitter feud is on this site where this I is where it. it all happens. Yeah. Love it. It's your own little Reddit. Perfect. It is. It really is. Exactly. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to be exploring this and trolling the shit out of this forum. <laughs> oh yeah. We're in here now. <laughs> and my username will be Glenn Langenberg. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> then everybody the will know it's Glenn. fake then. I, d I don't use that. Mm. <laughs> the real <True>. Glenn Langenberg. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> awesome. uh, in, is there anything fact, else? Oh, in, sorry. In fact, I dare you to. <laughs> well, you can't go back on a dare, so now you're <laughs> locked <happening>. in. <laughs> is there anything else that you two would like to share with us? Um, maybe tell us a little bit about your podcast or any lingering lingering factoids anything you yeah. want to plug uh sure um you know I'll, I'll i'll throw a couple of things out for you that you can decide if you want to use or not and then i'll you can decide out how, how, how to incorporate them into into this episode perfect all right so okay. the first thing uh, and then we'll get to the our podcast and uh websites and all that so one thing that we often encounter as fingerprint examiners that can be a little bit frustrating is that people have this misconception that when you touch an object, you are going to leave behind a latent print. And that is actually pretty yep. untrue. And jurors have this misconception all the time. In fact, most of our testimonies often going to court to explain to them just because you touch something does not mean you left behind an identifiable fingerprint. Because... You know, they'll hear, oh, you know, they looked at this and there were no fingerprints on there. And they'll immediately assume, oh, it must have been wiped down or this or that. And then and that's... Well, why aren't there fingerprints? Well, yeah, yeah well, there, there should be. And, and it's because when you watch CSI in these movies, if someone touches something, there's always an identifiable fingerprint. Or doesn't the plot doesn't progress, as people who have IMDb pages know this, that that's part of <laughs> screenwriting. You have to be able to progress your story. But okay. in the real world... It doesn't happen. I mean, often there are certain surfaces that are terrible for fingerprints. Guns, for example, other than the magazine and the gun, mm. guns are terrible surfaces. The bullets and cartridge cases are terrible surfaces. Um, Why is that? Money, is that just because of the metal or? Yeah, me me texture metal or? is a bad uh, surface. Sometimes also the amount of residue or sweat on your fingers. There's all these different components mm. that have to come together. Uh, in the perfect circumstances to leave a good print. And in fact, you can do this right now. If you just take your hand and wipe it on your pants or your shirt, you've now just removed all the sweat and residue on your fingers. And if you go to touch a surface, mm. you may not leave anything behind. And, mm. you know, uh, we, we experience this all the time when it comes to these cases. In fact, there are certain surfaces where the recovery rates on fingerprints are really low, like drug baggies and little bits of plastic and, again, guns. These all have notoriously low rates of fingerprint recovery. And so we often have to deal with that yeah. aspect just because of expectations that, well, there should be a print there if he actually touched it. Hmm. I just I just had to go testify last week about uh, a, you know a case with a little drug baggie, and why it just wasn't a good surface for fingerprints. So cool. Yeah, this happens. So that that's one thing. I glad to know my drug baggies are safe. <laughs> <laughs> they they probably are. In fact, there's a better chance of getting DNA off the knot if you tie it in a knot than there is of getting latent fingerprints on the bag. Ooh, weird. All right, so don't tie it in What's a knot. Tie it in that. Just be chill, bro. What's Just an ideal chill. surface to take fingerprints off of? 
A window. Cans. I was gonna say it's gotta be glass yeah. or something. Can, can uh, red, skinny Red Bull cans that look like penises. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Yep. Oh, what a Amazing. horrible uh, drawing. If you can, if you can look at at at, uh, at the surface and kind of like turn it into light so it reflects light really well, like mm -hmm. a you know a glass uh, or soda can or your car then that's a really good surface. Yeah. Okay. Paper can be a, a good surface too because it can absorb the residue yep. of the sweat. And in fact, paper will retain fingerprints longer than a lot of other surfaces. They've gone back and developed fingerprints yeah. from Nazi war criminals 40, 50 years later on certain documents Whoa. because the, your, your sweat and your amino acids that react with those chemicals get absorbed in the paper and they just get trapped in the paper fibers. Yeah, that's that's my favorite part of processing is so the most common chemicals are either uh, ninhydrin or a real fun word to say indane dione indane dione uh, dione with an indane n at the end dione. yeah indane dione mm -hmm. and um, so you you put those on the surface it reacts for ninhydrin uh, you use the super high tech technique of ironing the paper uh, with a steam iron. <laughs> You just not not on, not press onto it, but just use the steam from an iron, and that encourages the uh, chemical reaction. And then, like magic, purple fingerprints appear on paper. Cool. Okay. You just have to be super careful not to have the uh, ninhydrin touch your actual skin because it'll stain your skin purple for like a week or two. Uh, not nice. that I've had that exact thing happen uh -oh. to me. Oh, great. <laughs> Uh, you look like kind of like a zombie. Bringing it back around to zombies <laughs> Always. again. Always. <laughs> Always. It all comes full circle. Well, this is amazing. Oh, my God. Uh, I love this. The uh, I think the other thing I'll just kind of throw out there for you guys, too. I, don't, I, I didn't find any other episodes where you had had some forensic people on talking about this aspect. Is that sometimes we get questions uh, from people that want to be forensic scientists, and they go, well, how do we get into this business? Have you, have you had anyone ask you guys about that or you guys covered that in previous episodes i don't want to be redundant lucy's usually the one asking how to get yeah, into the business yeah okay. and then i just have you know two hour chats with eric and then i'm an expert but people people Pretty have much. emailed <laughs> us to say that they are going to school for something in forensics but i don't really know how they do that sure. mm -hmm. okay well let me just throw this out there for you there are really two paths that we see to get into forensic science i mean one is go become a police officer and generally if you go down that route then at some point if you do really well after you put in your years as you know on the beat and giving out traffic tickets and doing all that stuff uh, then eventually you can find your way onto a crime scene team and you can be the person at the scene drawing pictures of skinny cans and safes that look like penises uh and it's we'll Amanda's be collecting calling. evidence <laughs> i mean so Drawing that that picks. will be you get to go to the scenes you will collect evidence you'll process it and often give it to fingerprint examiners to work but you'll probably depending on the agency probably not do those comparisons although if you do crime scenes for enough years eventually you can promote into a unit it's a very long path and you have to go through maybe. the police officer path but we recommend this for people who maybe don't have the strongest science chops or the strongest science backgrounds right but there's a way to get there yeah. the other way is the way that makes a lot yep, of sense uh, and you know um that's not the science path isn't for everybody for geeks like Eric and I, we have science backgrounds, strong science background. I mean, I, I went to 
college, mind you, college, college for 18 years, 18 years of degrees. Good. Yeah. God, Glenn. It, That's a human I just did, life. I just did four. So nice. I, was, I was done. <laughs> No, I mean, we're we're insane for the science. And if you go the science path and today in today's world, if you get that four year degree in science, it usually has to be a hard science like biology, chemistry, physics or something like that. If you get that four year degree, then you and a 100 other people can with the exact same background can apply for the same job. And we always run into this, mm. that you'll have 100 qualified people applying for a entry-level yep. job. So even that degree is mm -hmm. not really quite enough. You have to often get a master's degree right. to separate you, do an internship, uh, start a forensics club at your university, get involved in some research with your professor, maybe write some papers. You, you have to do more than just get a degree because there's no way to separate you from 100 other people. And that's the, the biggest mistake yeah. we see is people go and get these forensic degrees from universities. Totally. And then guess what? You can keep trying to get a job for 8, 10 years and eventually you know, yep. move on to something else. That's mm -hmm. the, you have to not just get the degree, but then find a way to separate yourself from the pack. And that's the biggest advice we can give to anyone thinking about getting into forensics. Awesome. Love Thank it. you for that's that advice. Um, mm -hmm. sure. t plug your podcast real quick and then um, yep. we'll move on to Kenyon and Amanda's cases. Right. All right. So uh, for anyone out there interested in hearing me and Glenn talk more about fingerprints, uh, you can do a search for the Double Loop podcast. We're on all the, you know iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, you know, anywhere you find a podcast, you can find the Double Loop podcast. Well, thank you. Love it. Thank you, Glenn and Eric, so much for being on our show. This was so much fun. We've earned so fun. We've learned we a lot. Having you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for having us, guys. We really appreciate you uh, and what you guys are doing, too. You know, the, the true crime thing and bringing this to the forefront. And it's, it's for us, it's fascinating seeing essentially people who aren't forensic scientists but have a love of forensic science and true crime kind of come mm -hmm. at it from a different angle because when I listen to you yeah, guys, totally. I think, oh, that's so great or that's interesting, their take on this or that's how they think about it. That's the kind of question they would ask. It, this is always info for me who has to explain to jurors because you never know what a juror is thinking compared to what I think. So you try to mm -hmm. you oh, try sure. to anticipate what might be going on in their head. And, and again, it's, it's why I love listening to these kind of podcasts because it gives you an insight to how the – again, I don't want to call you lay people because you're more than that and you're – No, but just the common lame. mind. We're not experts in this lame field. Lame people. So. <laughs> No, no, no. Yes, we are the lame. You're junior people. fingerprint examiners. Come on, you're 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 now one of us. One of us. One of us. <laughs> one of us. Yes. Spreading like wildfire. Well, I if you need it. to um, use our consultation services at any point in the future, you know how to get a hold of us. All right, we'll do. <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right, thanks again, Glenn and Eric. Double Loop Podcast. Everyone, go check them out. It's incredible. Life can be stressful. And moreover, life is stressful. Mm -hmm. Correct. Between work, family, podcasting, everything in between, it's not always easy to find time for yourself. Don't we know it? And we mm -hmm. all need somebody to talk to, a different perspective, a person who can support us through those rough patches, that everyday ups and downs, you know. You know maybe, what we're talking about. Maybe somebody with a license. Truly. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that is where Talkspace comes in. Mm-hmm. Talkspace is therapy for how we live today. It is mobile. It is available when and where you need it. And it's affordable. Yep. It is amazing. Talkspace online therapy makes taking care of your mental health more affordable and convenient than ever before. Simply provide your preferences for therapy and Talkspace will match you with one of 3,000 plus therapists the very same day. This is amazing. Amazing people. Not having to wait to get into an appointment to be matched with a therapist. For some people, this is absolutely crucial, like life or death crucial time. It's pretty amazing to be matched with somebody who could start trying to help you the same day that you decide... I'm ready to reach out and ask for some help. Mm-hmm. You can send your therapist unlimited text, audio, picture, or video messages from anywhere at any time, and you'll hear back daily, usually five days per week. Sometimes therapists will work on the weekends, but that's their office hours are typically Monday through Friday. All you need is a computer with an internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app. I am obsessed with the mobile app. I've used the computer too, and it's like I can't keep up with all of the typing <laughs> on a text platform. But I use the mobile app to check in with my therapist, Emily, almost every single day. She is awesome. She gets back to me so promptly. And she specifically, again, not every therapist, but she will check in on me over the weekend in case there's something that I need. And I've been able to use the video chat function. The first time we got connected, I used the video chat function to like get to know her and kind of see what her face looks like and how she responds. And like it felt a lot more personal. And then we would do calls and texts and I just it works really, really well and I love it. And it's incredibly affordable. One month of therapy on the Talkspace platform costs about the same amount as a single face-to-face session. This is for mm-hmm. real people. Mm-hmm. You can get an entire month of unlimited contact with your therapist for the same price or less as, as one a single in yeah in-person session. I can't even believe it. And of course, like we said, best of all, you never have to wait a week or a month or two weeks or drive or leave your house or put on pants to share what's on your mind. You can just reach into your pocket for your phone, pull out that app and let everything out. Let it all out in real and time. And they've got those group rooms. Yes. rooms. Yes, the group therapy rooms are awesome. You can join one that pertains to your situation. I have said it many times. I'm in the quarter life crisis group therapy room. Pushing it. It is awesome. You're way not, beyond not your quarter, quarter life. life. Okay. I know. I know. Talkspace has more than 3,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing the challenges we all face. To match mm. with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use the code GALS, G-A-L-S, to get $45 off your first month and show your support for this show. So that's GALS and Talkspace.com. Treat your brain. Mm-hmm. Treat it. Treat it. I think that it's 2019 and it's about time to be using data points generated by millions of women who have Uh taken a Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for perfect fit and premium feel. And you know who's doing this? Third love. It's time for boob science, y'all. Boob Boob science. science. And you know that we love a good quiz. Mm-hmm. Third Love has that Fit Finder quiz. You just answer a few simple questions to find your perfect fit in 60 seconds. Like Kenyon said, over 12 million women have taken this quiz to date. 
it's actually really fun. There's some fun illustrations, and you kind of come out of it being like, oh, my boobs aren't weird after all. There's a name Mm -hmm. for my boobs. (laughs) There's a snake in my boobs. (laughs) Whose left one is a full cup size larger than the right one. Nailed it. For example. And did you know that breast shape matters when finding a good fit? Because I didn't until I, I took do this quiz. Now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Third love helps you identify your breast size and shape and maybe a disparity in size and find styles that fit your body. So as I have made it abundantly clear, my boobs aren't symmetrical. And nope. my You're unique. I am very unique. I'm very unique. And uh, third love, that quiz helped me find a bra where I can have, like, way more padding on the smaller side and not as much on the larger side. Mm -hmm. And when I put on a shirt, they look look even. even. That's amazing. It's incredible. I'm so happy for you. this, I have two third love bras because they are so gosh darn comfortable. Hands Mm. down, the most comfortable bra you will ever own. Those straps don't slip. They got tagless labels. There's no itching. They're very lightweight. They're a little bit stretchy. They've got super thin memory foam cups Mm -hmm. that mold to your shape. And they are, those are proprietary to Third Love, so you're not going to find them anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And the newest member to the Third Love family is in their line of incredibly soft, smooth, and breathable cotton bras. Mm. I love. I'm Mm -hmm. not wearing mine right now because we're recording, and I am not going to put on a bra if I don't have to, but like... Mm-hmm. Also, yes. If I leave the house, you best believe you know what I'm wearing. You're yep. strapping on a third love bra. Mm-hmm. And third love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Mm-hmm. You know how you can get that 15% off? By going to thirdlove.com forward slash gals and finding your perfect fitting bra. Get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com forward slash gals for 15% off today. Treat your boobs. Trade them. So um, I decided to change it up a little bit for this episode. Um, And I'm going to be doing a couple of very shallow dives around a theme. I like it. Is that theme fingerprints? (laughs) It's it's a sub-theme, a sub-category from fingerprints. Kenyon misunderstood the assignment again. (laughs) No, no, I didn't. I didn't. Camping crimes. Normandy, France. (laughs) Beyond stupid Kenyon this episode. (laughs) No, No, it's still fingerprints. Whatever, y'all are going to Lucy, gonna I won't hear. stand for that kind of language toward our sweet queen, Kenny. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. All right, How we are... dare you? Starting out, on July 30th, 2015, the Lee County, Florida... Oh, God. Sheriff's Office Highway Interdiction Team... Interdiction? I mean... I know how you say, like, yeah, that's how it's spelled. What does that mean, though? I've never heard that word. What kind of sport is interdiction? (laughs) Amanda likes the sound of interdiction. Sign me (laughs) up for the interdiction team. It's the highway (laughs) sheriffs that pull people over. We should look it up in the interdictionary just to make sure. (laughs) (laughs) They should have used a thesaurus. Oh, my Um, God. Okay, so... The sheriff's team on the highway, whatever, in Florida noticed a brand new Mercedes that had been reported stolen. 
They, st <laughs> they stopped the vehicle on State Road 82 and immediately began an investigation. The detectives soon discovered that the driver, 20-year-old Kenzo Roberts, was Kenzo. also... Kenzo. Sounds like a cologne. It kind of does. Right? <laughs> Mm, Kenyon, if you opened, like, Kenzo. an Eastern European nightclub, it'd be called Kenzo's. <laughs> it's very close to what Zach and my Brangelina name would be. Oh, yeah, kind of. Oh. Kenza. Okay. Kenza. So, Kenzo Roberts, 20 years old, was also in possession of a fake ID, three fraudulent credit cards, and an illegally concealed firearm. Sounds like as us well going as. out in New York when we were 18, <laughs> sharing Minus. my sister's ID. <laughs> I had somebody else's ID, actually, for a while. Oof. Okay. Um, Kenzo uh, also had not one but two felony warrants out for his arrest in Broward County. Uh, Kenzo is Dunzo. Kenzo is fucking <laughs> Dunzo, y'all. Uh, both of these were for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. But Kenzo wasn't going down without a fight. Yes, Kenzo. <laughs> as you as go, he Kenzo. <laughs> you go, Glenn Kenzo. <laughs> <laughs> and now for Gretchen Wieners. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as he was detained in the back of the patrol car, Kenzo went about trying to erase his fingerprints in order to avoid being positively ID'd by police. Yes, I and love these idiots. <laughs> he went his about fingerprints. It. Yes. Oh, and he Rip. went about chewing them off. Of <laughs> course, he did. Wait, is he not handcuffed with his hands behind him? For unknown reasons, I have this as a side note, it's not clear why Kenzo was not handcuffed before being put in the vehicle, but he was not handcuffed. Okay, interdiction team. Mm -hmm. We need Come to have on. a chat. <laughs> Come on, Florida. Um, yeah. So surveillance video, which I tried watching, but it honestly grossed me out so much. There's something about chewing off fingerprints Wait, that like there's surveillance really video of him doing it. Yeah, because the back of I didn't realize this, but apparently the back of the patrol cars, there's a camera, which oh, yeah. actually makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So there's video of this guy chewing off his fucking fingerprints. <laughs> and, and so, OK, I'll get to it. Surveillance video from the back of the cop car clearly shows Kenzo chewing his fingertips, quote, swallowing the flesh. Oh, oh my God. I hate you so much. I hate you. You're off the podcast. You're disgusting. Oh, my God. And, and even rubbing them vigorously against the police car's metal cage for good oh. measure. No, no. He no. got all 10 of them? No, no. I think so. No. But in the oh. end, his auto cannibalistic efforts were for naught. Oh, no. What Shocking. a waste. <laughs> a fingerprint <laughs> scanner was still able to quickly positively ID the criminal. So he didn't Incredible. get deep enough. Oh. He, he only oh. got the, like, outer My layer. My whole hand is, like, pulsing right mm -hmm. now. So upset well, they you. can take prints off your whole hand. Yeah, but they still got them from the fingerprint somehow. Yeah. 
Because though Yucky. they go deeper than just the outermost layer, obviously, yeah. which sloughs off. Okay, Kenzo Roberts was ultimately charged with three counts of possession of a counterfeit credit card, grand theft auto, possession of a concealed firearm, possession of similitude of a driver's license, (laughs) driving while license suspended, forgot to mention that, and false identification given to law enforcement. Yeah, and being fucking gross about it. Yeah, and, and ruining the back of my cop car. And getting Ooh. blood on the back of my cop car. I don't um, like and it. And just for the cherry on top, Border Patrol also informed the detectives that Kenzo was in the country illegally. He is Jamaican, oh. and I couldn't find out for sure, but I'm guessing that he didn't cross over via the fucking Mexican desert. I'm willing to <laughs> bet that he flew in and just overstayed his tourist visa like 50% of all undocumented immigrants in this country the end. But, you know, build the wall, though. Yeah. We need a wall. But we, we need, need a that wall, wall around LaGuardia is what I'm saying. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Walls um, work. <laughs> oh, my God. Totally oh my kidding. God. Okay. Next story around a similar theme. <laughs> oh, no. That was pretty good. I hey, don't doozy. like Kenyon branching outside of her comfort zone and doing shallow dives. I don't I like I do. It. Especially when it involves auto cannibalism. <laughs> but, Hell, Yeah. So don't worry, Kenzo Roberts isn't alone in thinking that he could evade identification by nibbling on his fingerprints. Oh, God. In fact. Oh, my God. There's another one. He's not (laughs) even alone in the state of Florida. No. Of course it's another Floridian, though. At 3 a.m. on uh, one uh, Sunday in February 2016, I don't know which one, 24-year-old Tampa native Kirk Kelly was pulled over in Talmadge, Ohio for a license plate violation. The system showed that the owner of the vehicle had a suspended driver's license. These guys are like two peas in a pod, I swear. Yeah, also don't drive with a suspended license. It's such a quick way to get... That's always how they get you. Yeah. Yeah, Well, (laughs) it's never great getting pulled over, but it's a whole hell of a lot worse when you're a wanted fugitive. Okay. Florida. A nationwide warrant had been out for Kirk's arrest for four months for racketeering as well as multiple drug and firearm charges. He racketeering uh, charges. It sounds so old school. Yeah. Well, he suspected. Of illegally selling guns that were linked to as many as 15 homicides. Oh, okay. well, that's not great. Yeah. At the time of the traffic stop in Ohio, three other individuals were also in the vehicle, and after smelling an odor of marijuana, Oh, no. (laughs) The officer made all of, I think they were all men, but I don't know for sure, step out of the vehicle and sit in the back of the police car while a a search of the vehicle was conducted for drugs. Initially, Kirk tried giving the officer his brother's name, but when he couldn't provide his social security number, the officer... (laughs) 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 The officer informed him that they would use a portable fingerprint scanner to identify him anyway. So, like, don't bother lying. Right, right. At this point, all four of the people were still unhandcuffed sitting in the police cruiser. 
Okay, why is this the theme that is so fucking Fuck dumb? Fucking Florida, you dum-dums. Well, this is in Ohio. This is Ohio police. Fucking Ohio, you dum-dums. So, <laughs> Kirk quickly jumped into action, attempting to chew off his fingerprints and causing his fingers to bleed profusely. To quote Talmadge Police Chief Ronald Williams, quote, I have heard of people sanding them off and so forth, but I've never no. had a person chew their fingers off during an investigative process. I think it's shocking. And you are correct. <laughs> Sir. It's less shocking than sandpaper. Oh, my God. That would be... I can't even, like, use a <laughs> nail file on my fingernails after this episode. It really Just grosses me out. Just do the men in black thing. Just zap them on that orb, like Will yeah, Smith. The right? Men in black. <laughs> <laughs> or what's that? Oh, in the movie Seven? Mm. Doesn't he slice them off with razor blades? I think yeah. so, yes. Queen. Yeah. Um, okay, when the officer noticed this, like noticed that Kirk was chewing his fingers off, he told Kirk that he would be charged with tampering with evidence. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> and, and asked him to step out of the vehicle to be handcuffed. He's not Kirk, wrong. I know. No, that's brilliant. Kirk, Kirk then attempted to run away, but, quote, after a short foot chase. <laughs> a short he was, foot chase. He was tackled to the ground and arrested. Despite his bloody fingers, this is my favorite part. Despite his bloody fingers, police were able to easily identify Kirk back at the police station by searching through previous mugshots and myriad identifying tattoos. Yes, <laughs> that'll be me. Was go he going to chew all to, of them off? Go 100 to the drive. Would be me. I'm just chewing my arms off. Do you oh, see God. this white guy with all of the tattoos? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yep. Look at all his tattoos. <laughs> He's. It hurt like hell, but it paid off. Including now that I've chewed <laughs> off my fingerprints, the cops don't have any distinguishing marks they can use to identify right. me. Right. Clearly a parody quote. He has tampo Unless written on his gut. Yeah, as, including a very prominent one on Kirk's stomach that reads Port Tampa. So they obviously <laughs> were able to search like mugshots from Tampa and find him like within minutes. I look love at his him. face. The look I in his eyes. Him. He's just like, well, shit. What yeah. have I done? Fuck. Um, he also, his cell phone also had a Tampa area code, 813. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so in Summit County, Ohio, this genius was charged with obstructing official business, tampering with evidence. Incredible. <laughs> Falsification. Tampa ring. Tampa ring. <laughs> 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 nice. Falsification and resisting arrest. And then he was extradited back to Florida to face his previous felony charges. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One oh, more quick dive yes. around the same theme. Another chewer? Uh, not quite, not quite. <clears throat> These modern-day Florida fugitives may have been inspired by a case out of the 1930s. Kenyon oh. just wanted to do Florida crimes. <laughs> 
I'm prepping for our Florida trip, y'all. I hope you yeah, all got your it. tickets. She's Don't wearing a caftan right now. Oh, oh my I God, literally I ordered my caftan last night. Love yes. It. Okay. I have four coming. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> At the time, so the 1930s. At the time, a criminal gang dubbed the College Kidnappers, led by Theodore Handsome Jack Clutus. (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming he gave himself that nickname. I don't know. Uh, Was wreaking havoc in Chicago. I'm going to go by Lucy Beautiful Dust Fitzgerald. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Not Loose Dust. Loose dust. Loose dust. So Corey listened to that episode, and yesterday morning I was sleeping peacefully, and he climbs into bed, and he was like, time to get up, dust. (laughs) Oh, I love your husband so much. Okay, you're dust. So I called him fear for the rest of the day. Dust and fear. That's Ah, us. Perfect. Perfect. Patience. Oh my god. Dust fear and patience. Now we just need Amanda. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> Shame. Wasn't one of them like embarrassment? Oh yeah. Humiliation. <laughs> humiliation. Yeah, humiliation. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay, okay. Anyway. Back to so, handsome Jack. Handsome Jack Clutus. Um, oh, Clutus. The, <laughs> the oh. last name really makes it. Okay. Oh. The 10-man ten, the ten gang started out as enforcer types for the Al Capone mob, but trouble started when their loyalties turned and the group began, shall we say, freelancing. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were the, independent the co- contractors. God bless them. <laughs> yeah. The college kidnappers earned their name by kidnapping wealthy mobsters as well as famous gamblers and bootleggers. And they were banking on the fact that the families of these criminal types wouldn't call the police, and they were right, and uh, would instead simply pay the ransom demanded of them. Pretty Got clever, it. actually. If you're going to kidnap someone, kidnap a criminal. Yeah, for sure. So one mobster was kidnapped by the gang twice and ended up going bankrupt as a result. Oh, (laughs) no. That would really suck. (laughs) Right? Um, In total, the gang acquired a total of a half a million dollars, which is the equivalent of over $7.6 million today. In ransom loot. So they did pretty well. Not bad, Clutus. Good job, Clutus. Oh, oh, stop. (laughs) The gang's leader, Handsome Jack Clutus, came from a... Clutus. Came from an unlikely background. Can't even find the Clutus. <laughs> he was born into a respectable family and attended the University of Illinois at Urbana Champaign. Oh, so um, fancy. But the tall and strapping young man dropped out before graduating and turned to a life of crime. Classic. <laughs> His, uh, unfortunately, though, his tall stature and good looks often gave him away to police. Because people, I know would f- how that goes. Yeah. Really tough stuff. We feel you. 
it's hard, it's hard. And so Handsome Jack resorted to carving up his fingerprints with a knife and a razor blade. God damn it, Kenyon. God damn it. <laughs> and also distorting his beautiful visage <laughs> through intentional scarification. Oh, wow. oh, honey. In order to evade identification by police. Did it work? In the Apparently end. Apparently not. <laughs> it didn't matter, though. <laughs> One of the members of the college kidnappers gang, Julius Babe Jones... What the fuck? This is so the 30s. I know. I love also, it. there is another guy in the gang whose last name was actually Doll. So we've got oh, Handsome Jack, Babe, and Doll. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> um, so Babe turns snitch in order to save his own skin on some charges that the police have on him. And he ended up Babe squealed. Baby! <laughs> Babe squealed. Oh, my God. You're on fire right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple drinks. <laughs> so uh, he gave up the locations of some of the gang's hideouts to police. And when the police stormed the suburban apartment where handsome Jack Clutus was hiding, <laughs> he refused to surrender and, quote, pistol barked. Which I think what? just means shot his pistol in the air. Okay. Pistol barked. I like that. Yeah, it was from a newspaper from the time. He pistol barked and then was gunned down by police, and that is how Handsome Jack died. Sad. Quote, when they compared his postmortem fingerprints, police found that each of his prints had been cut by a knife, resulting in semicircular scars around each fingerprint. And although he was glorified in the media, it was an amateur job. The procedure left more <laughs> than enough ridge detail to identify him. Hideously amateur botched. <laughs> but he's probably the first person on record that we know of to try messing up his own fingerprints to avoid being ID'd by police. Crazy. He's like the first person on record to think of that. So, yeah. Good job, Handsome Jack. The yeah. juggernaut that was Handsome Jack. So those Love are my it. three shallow dives about well trying to done, ruin your madam. fingerprints. Thank you. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Shall we hear from our sponsors? Let's do it. Think of all the things you could do if you're not spending time at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Watch Netflix. Nap. Exercise. Real housewives. <laughs> yeah. Snack. Take a nap. Play with your dog. <laughs> Did I mention do take another quick nap? <laughs> take another nap. <laughs> and now you can with Instacart. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about Instacart, Kenyon. You guys, Instacart uh, is amazing. Basically, you can have groceries from local retailers and national chain retailers, like all your favorite stores, uh, delivered to your home in as little as one hour or at a time that you schedule that works with your individual schedule. So you can like choose from their chart, which is quite detailed of like specific times uh, when you're going to be home. It's 
it's amazing. I uh, stocked up on a lot of stuff that I can't get here in South Africa, so I ordered like Pepto-Bismol and mm. Dayquil. We already mentioned my obsession with pharmaceuticals and also mm. like some nice Craft almonds. Parmesan. And Parmesan. I literally ordered Parmesan. Um, <laughs> they do not deliver to South Africa, though. No, they don't. They didn't. So <laughs> I had them sent to my mother's house, and they delivered so quickly that I didn't even have time to, like, text her to warn her that they were coming to deliver <laughs> random <laughs> stuff to her house. And so she opened the door, and there was a person there with a CVS bag being like, here, here's all your stuff. No, you don't have to pay me anything. Yes, I've already been tipped through the app. Mm. And my mom was like, what is this witchcraft? And sent the person Slammed away. The door. <laughs> 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 she didn't trust it. So anyway, it's delivered very quickly. So if you're not going to be the one home, warn people that there's going to be yeah. terrifying <laughs> convenience coming to your home. Mm. Um they also have exclusive coupons, so you can save money on, like, pantry staples, stuff that you know that you're going to run out of and need more of. I have an mm. insane stock of toilet paper in my home. Oh, um, <laughs> And there's also other perks, so no sitting in traffic, no looking for parking, no totally messing up parking, and then having to, like squish your body between the two cars and getting your coat oh, dirty because it rubs that. on your car that you haven't gotten washed in like six months. Yep. Um, <laughs> no waiting in the checkout line. Instacart's amazing, you guys. I, I love it. And here is how it works. You get to choose. So you can either get the app on your phone or you can go to instacart.com and shop the groceries you need from your favorite local retailers. Instacart shops. Okay, so your shopper gathers your groceries with care by selecting excellent produce and contacting you if necessary so they are shopping for you. Mm -hmm. Instacart then delivers. Your groceries will arrive in as little as one hour or, like Kenyon said, at a time that you select. They keep hot items hot and cold items cold. You literally can't even do that in your own car coming home from the grocery store unless you That's have one of those part. like amazing pizza warmer Ugh, it's bags. like having a personal assistant that can run to the store for you it's incredible it. feels so rich when i use instacart I, <laughs> I got a butler so you can try instacart today and get ten dollars off your first order to get this limited time offer go to instacart.com or download the mobile app and enter our promo code gals that's g a l s at checkout so again that gets you 10 bucks off your first order today at instacart.com or through the mobile app and don't forget to enter that code gals um, so one more time instacart.com or through the mobile app with the code gals at checkout treat yo entire lifestyle treat yo pantry scare kenyan's mom are you ready to try on the most comfortable flat you have ever worn uh, that you can wear all day, every day, for any occasion? Like, I'm ready. Seriously, you're never going to want to take these puppies off. It's amazing. It actually really is amazing. These are the most comfortable shoe I own, and I want them in every color and style. Mm. Um, because Rothy's is the everyday flat for life on the go. It's stylish, like seriously, so cute. I have the little like cherry red 
uh, curved toe flat mm-hmm. that has like the sexy little toe cleavage. Mm-hmm. I think you have one of the same Ooh. pairs, right? Kenyon? I have the exact same pair, and now I'm eyeing another pair. Oh my god, mm-hmm. it's so good. I have good. the point. Oh. I get compliments on them like every time I wear them. Every yeah. single time. <laughs> yep. This is a stylish, classic, comfortable shoe. It comes in, like we mentioned, four fashionable styles. The flat, which is what Kenyon and I have. The point, which is what Lucy has. The loafer, which, which is, is what, what I I'm have gonna on buy. my list. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want so many of the loafer. And the sneaker. Mm. So there are sizes that span from child sizes all the way up into adult sizes. It's super versatile and awesome. And the color and pattern selection is amazing. They're always updating their lineup with so much cute stuff. They launch new colors every couple weeks. They sell out constantly. I definitely have my eyes on some camo loafers that I'm look really I'm looking at cute. the leopard print, y'all. So yes. cute. Yes. So cute. And it's going to blow your mind because these are sustainable shoes. They're made from recycled plastic water bottles and they are quite literally the softest shoe you'll put on your feet. There are no seams. Mm-hmm. They don't, they feel like cloth. And Rothy's has reached almost 20 million bottles recycled, plastic bottles, to repurpose into these shoes. It's amazing. So you can feel really good about what's on your feet. And they're machine washable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, come on. Feet are disgusting and sweaty. These soft, amazing, seamless shoes. You can Mm -hmm. pop them in your washing machine. You let them air dry, and they look brand new out of the box. Yeah, they really do. There's no drawback to these shoes. So tell us how we get them. They have everything. So clearly we are obsessed with our Rothy's and definitely buying more like as soon as possible. And we know that you will be obsessed with them too. So right now Rothy's has an amazing deal for our Mm -hmm. listeners. Use promo code GALS, that's G-A-L-S, to get free shipping with no minimum purchase. So again, that's free shipping, free returns and exchanges. I happened to order the wrong size initially and mm. I exchanged them and within days I had the correct size. Mm-hmm. It was lightning fast. Their customer service is so great. Um, but again, you will not be returning them unless you order the wrong size. <laughs> Trust. <laughs> so again, go to rothys.com. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S.com and enter the promo code GALS, G-A-L-S, to get your new favorite flats and free shipping. This is a no-brainer, people. These mm-hmm. shoes are comfortable, stylish, and sustainable. And you get free shipping and super best. fast exchanges should you choose. So go get yourself a pair today at rothys.com, promo code GALS. Get this deal while it lasts. Treat your Treat feet. Treat your feet. Most people who lose weight gain it all back. Hi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Been there. Oh, yeah. Why? Because most weight loss plans just tell you what to do while you're on the plan and not after. It's not long term. But with Noom... You'll lose the guilt and learn how to develop a new relationship with food, exercise, and make like a lifestyle change, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. I tried Noom. I loved it. I lost eight pounds. Um, It's just something a lot different. You get different results because you're actually learning psychological tricks and tips. You're learning about how your brain responds to hunger and food choices and exercise choices and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. There's no guilt involved. There's no shame. That's what Mm -hmm. I really liked about it. Mm -hmm. It comes with a goals specialist, and that person is there. Hi, Tiffany, my goals specialist. Oh, I love Um, that. To kind of just walk you through things, they sort of keep you on track. If you haven't logged into the app in a few days, they'll send you a message like, hey, how are things going? But again, there's no shame. It's not 
it's not annoying. They're really there to encourage you. And that um, that psychology component obviously really struck me. I Background loved it. I just learned a lot. Psych. Yeah, Background for real. and psych, people. You just learn more about yourself and how you respond in your body, and it helps you keep that weight off. I haven't used it in a little bit, but I'm still thinking every time I make a meal, I'm like, okay, is this a green meal? Is this a yellow meal? Is this a red meal? Like, what are my, what's my combo here? How healthy is this for me? It really it helps you sunk build in. new habits. Yeah. This is, these are lasting changes that you're learning here. It's That's it's so incredible. Cool. I loved it. So Noom obviously is designed for results. So their uh, motto is out with the old habits and in with the new, healthier, happier you habits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can sign up for your trial today at Noom. That's N-O-O-M dot com forward slash gals, G-A-L-S. So what do you have to lose? Visit noom.com forward slash gals to start your trial today. Again, that's noom.com forward slash gals. Start losing weight for good. Treat your gut. My case. <laughs> because Kenyon switched gears for her case and kind of did an Amanda style shallow dip. I yep. thought I would switch places with Kenyon's space. Mm. And do a British murder case. Yes. That Is there any geography? Yes. In Beniston. Took place in a town by the name of Detford, which is northeast of Peckham, <laughs> southwest of Barking. Oh, pistol Barking. Pistol Barking. <laughs> East of Sheerness. You're east of queerness, so. Yep. <laughs> and west of World's End. World's <laughs> End and south of Peniston. <laughs> world's End. Oh, world's End. Okay, Sticky this was end. the first British murder case to be solved using fingerprints. This was Teen 05. And to give you a little backstory on what happened here, at 7 o'clock, on the morning of March 27th, 1905, shop manager Thomas Farrow, 71 years old, had not yet gotten dressed to open up for the day when there was a knock at the door. At 7 a.m.? No. Jesus Christ. This Never sounds answer like the a door. Beatles song. Yeah, seriously. Mm-hmm. Oh, Rigby. Get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Farrow, 71, had not got dressed yet to open the day. The store. Lovely Thomas. There was Thomas a knock Farrow. at the door. Anyway, okay. not wanting to pass up a bit of early business. I like that early business, so I get it. <laughs> He let them in, even though he was still in his nightshirt scandal. Amanda never passes up any early Early business business. in her nightshirt. Accurate. But the two men who entered G. Chapman's Oil and Color Stores at 34 High Street were not interested in his paints and brushes. Hmm. They wanted to know where he kept his money. Yeah, all that art money. Yeah, give me all that art. <laughs> that paint sweet, money. sweet oil money. <laughs> yeah, I'm an oil man. <laughs> um, <laughs> I drink it up. <laughs> um, when he resisted, Pharaoh was battered over the head at least six times with a crowbar. Mm. First, as he stood what, behind by the counter, Maxwell's silver hammer. Correct. 
came down upon his head. Do, oh, do, do, no. do. This um, is falling into place entirely too it's well. It's going too well. He stood behind the counter, and then when he tried to stop his attackers going upstairs where his wife was sleeping, they, like, no. beat him more. Um, on the second floor, the robbers found not only the cash box, but also Pharaoh's 65-year-old wife, Anne. She was not shown any mercy before the two men fled their lo- with their loot. Oh, which did they amounted- kill her? Well, yeah. Mm. This is a murder podcast. Yeah. The uh, amount of money that they took was like eight pounds. In 1905. In 1905 was a little chunk of money, but it certainly wasn't like. Probably like 50 bucks. Well, no, it would have been more than that. But Time Money Converter, my most cited website. Get it. (laughs) Get it. It's not newspapers.com. And I do love newspapers. Oh, porn porn hub. This is all dollars. All right. Well, let's do eight dollars in 1905. Let's Mm -hmm. see what that is. It's got to be in the ballpark. Oh, eight dollars in 1905 would have been two hundred and twenty five dollars in twenty eighteen. So still not enough to murder two people over no. IMO. There is a line. But yeah. <laughs> a million or less. I mean, or more. <laughs> Wait, I'm tired. So just over an hour later, 16-year-old William Jones turns up for work to find the door locked and immediately senses something is wrong. He runs to a neighbor's house in Greenwich to get help. And he and another shop assistant go around the back to find the scullery door open. Oh, my God. Inside, they found Thomas Faro lying face down in a pool of blood in the parlor. His last act before collapsing under a chair had been to lock the front door to prevent the robbers coming back. Oh, what a sweet little ye old shoppy keeper. I know. Then it was left for the first policeman at the scene, Sergeant Albert Atkinson, to go upstairs and find Mrs. Farrow moaning in pain from the severe injuries to her head. She clung to life for another four days before dying in the hospital. So did they both die or... So they both died? They both died. died. Yeah. Oh. It's a murder podcast, Kenyon. Yeah. Okay. It's a double murder podcast. (laughs) An examination of the crime scene revealed blood in a basin where the killer washed his hands. There were also two stockings with eye holes cut in them. Go to the drive. Go to the drive? Oh, no. Be on the blog, y'all. Whiningcrimepodcast.com forward slash blog. Oh, my God. These are little masks made out of clips of stocking. Oh, nylon stocking. These crude masks. Yeah. They Those are like, creepy as fuck. Are they, they gross? Like Old timey executioner masks, kind of. Seriously. They remind me of those masks that people wore, like, in the desert with just those tiny little slits in them, but they look so fucking creepy. Desert and, like, snow areas. Yeah, yeah, mm. to keep all that off your face. Mm. Yeah, to like, and all the white the light. Yeah, creepy. Yep, those masks are super creepy. I hate it. Don't like it. Don't like it. Yep. Um, There was no sign of force entry at the scene. Again, they knocked on the door and what's his face? Thomas, sorry, let him in. So there's no force entry, no murder weapon, no eyewitnesses of the scene. 
The best I really had was a pair of milkmen that had seen two men coming out of the Chapman store that morning. One had a dark mustache <laughs> and was wearing a bowler hat, a blue suit, and black boots. At the least they were stylish. A, exactly. The other was wearing a dark brown suit, a gray cap, and brown boots. I take wow. it back. Witness, I Dapper AF. One of them had good style. Brown suit, get out of here. Get <laughs> out. Another witness had seen two men running down the high street at 7.15 a.m. and recognized one of them as Al- Alfred Stratton, 22 years old. Alfred was arrested six days after the murder at the King of Prussia pub in Deptford, and his brother Albert, the thought likely to be the second man with him, was detained at a street corner 24 hours later. This is Alfred so and Albert. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, although he did not have a criminal record, Alfred Stratton was known to the police as being, quote, a vagabond. And was known to have contacts in the criminal underworld. Wow. Alfred's brother, Albert, was also a known, quote, police character. (laughs) And the description (laughs) of the other man given by the witnesses matched him. So the identification of Alfred was apparently confirmed when Alfred's girlfriend, Annie, totally fucking turned on him like a little sweet peanut. Told like the police that he had canary. disposed of his dark brown coat and changed his shoes the day after the murder. She also recalled him asking for a pair of old stockings. Oh! Like for those masks. And based on this lead, warrants for the arrest of the pair were issued and they were taken into custody on April 2nd and fingerprinted. Wait, based wait, wait. On another... Hmm? Can we just go back to the masks? Yeah. Let's look at the masks. How... Yeah. Are these made out of stockings? How thick and fucking scratchy and awful were yeah. your stockings? In 1905, pretty oh. pretty bad. It was like nylon. Yeah. Didn't it was like wool. Cotton. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, no, these would not be comfortable. And that's why, since they're not nylon, it's not like how people do the stocking masks now where they just stretch it over their face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This can't. You can't do that. Doesn't They're basically the socks. Yeah. They're it's like that's why they had to have like garter burlap. garter belts to hold them mm-hmm. up too. Ugh. You right. You right. Not when I'm right, I'm right. at all. I hate it. When I'm right, um, I'm right, I'm right. Well, right, all right, all right. <laughs> so Alfred and Albert were taken into custody on April 2nd. They were fingerprinted, and yes, in the early 1900s. And based on another tip by Annie, police were able to recover four of the 10 pounds that they had stolen buried near a local waterworks. Hey, what 50% a percent of the loot. Yep, buried like a dog. Um, Alfred's girlfriend was also able to tell police that he had returned home on the morning of the murder with money and smelling of paraffin. <laughs> this is like the original lyrics of Smell Yo Dick by Risque, but yes. the 1905 <laughs> version. <laughs> Why you coming home? Five in the moan. <laughs> Something going on. Can I smell your paraffin? Yo dick. Um, paraffin still, is like a lighting. It's like a... For fire. Yeah, it's like a... Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. what is it? Ignition accelerant or whatever. Okay, right. yeah. Um, but still, the case was weak and circumstantial. Called before the coroner for the inquest. So we've talked about this in other cases before where they'll, they'll have, like, a pre-trial. To, to like, see whether it can go to trial. Yeah, to see even whether or not they're going to be guilty. It's weird. Like That's a grand like a jury. Question. Exactly. 
So brought before this inquest, the, the brothers laughed when the jury returned a verdict of, quote, willful murder. And according to journalists, they spent the hearing whistling and stamping their feet on the floor as though they were in the gallery of some cheap place of amusement. (laughs) (laughs) How dare dare you? Some cheap place Place of amusement. amusement. This is the old Bailey. How dare you? (laughs) The vital evidence was to be the... Respect. Yeah, (laughs) Respect. The vital evidence was to be the greasy mark of a thumb left on the cash box. Aha! The paraffin. Mm. Hurrah! Huzzah! When investigators uh, were told, uh, when an investigator was told of the empty cash box, he chose to examine it. He noticed that on the underside of the box's inner tray, there was a greasy smudge which appeared to be a fingerprint. This investigator, uh, whose last name is McNaughton, was a member of the Belper Committee, which had recommended the use of fingerprints as a method for identification five years before, so in like 1900. He wondered if this might be a case to test out this new technique. He used his handkerchief to carefully pick up the cash box, had it wrapped in paper, and took it to the fledgling fingerprint bureau at Scotland Yard. (gasps) By Jove, I think he's got it. Ah, by George. Um, (laughs) Established on July 1st, 1901, the Fingerprint Bureau had proven its worth when the conviction, when there was a conviction a year later, so in 1902, of a man named Harry Jackson for burglary thanks to fingerprint evidence. Um, This bureau was now headed by Detective Inspector Charles Stockley Collins, Mm. who was regarded as the foremost English fingerprint expert of his time. Because he had solved approximately one One case. case. (laughs) So you're the expert now. Congratulations, Detective Inspector Charles Stockley Collins. CSC to his friends. Correct. CSC. Despite its earlier successes, especially in identifying previously convicted criminals who tried to pass themselves off pseudonymously... Which is a wonderful word, and I love it. So they had already been using fingerprint technology at that time to identify criminals who were multiple offenders using different names, basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, The technique was still considered unwieldy, and both men knew that they were risking public ridicule with the intense scrutiny that a murder case would generate. Mm. Furthermore, (laughs) and another thing... Mayhaps! Even if they succeeded in identifying the owner of the fingerprint, they still needed to convince a potential jury sufficiently to convict because this wasn't, like, widely accepted as a thing yet. It's brand fucking new. Exactly. So Detective Inspector Collins examined the print thoroughly and determined that the print was made through perspiration Mm -hmm. and appeared to have been left by the thumb, probably from the right hand. He compared it with those of the pharaohs and that of Detective Sergeant Atkinson, anybody else who would have been at the scene, Mm -hmm. and was satisfied that the print did not belong to any of those people. Although the Bureau at that time had 80 to 90,000 sets of prints on file. That's amazing. Yeah. There was no match to any of these prints. Mm. So on May 5th, the Stratton brothers went on trail at the Old Bailey. (gasps) You were right. It was the Old Mm -hmm. Bailey. 
And also on trial was the science of fingerprinting. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> the science of fingerprinting. <laughs> the idea of using fingerprints for identifying criminals had first been suggested in an article in Nature by the Scottish missionary Dr. Henry Falds in 1880. Fault him for being a missionary, for no. being into missionary. <laughs> He approached Scotland Yard with the idea, but was dismissed as a crank. Mm. Crank. Instead, the credit for developing the science of fingerprints would go to Darwin's cousin, Francis Galton. Even Mm. then, the police referred to the Bertillon method of distinguishing crooks by measurement of the body, including the size of the head, ears, arms, fingers, and feet, as Mm. a more stable method of identification. Mm. Mm. (laughs) So, like, if you had big ears, you were Pretty more much. inclined to You're be a the criminal. criminal. Well, no, no, they would write using down it to identify. if you were, yeah, if you were arrested, they would measure your ears, measure your yeah. shoulders, yeah. write it all down, and then if you were that's what goes in the later. database instead of a. Yeah, I thought it was print. that because Darwin had a lot to do with like that mm-hmm. development um, of the skull and the body shape and whatever. Right. But despite those little setbacks, the fingerprint branch was set up in 1901 when Edward Henry was appointed assistant commissioner, CID. Get it? Mm -hmm. By then, fingerprints (laughs) had helped solve a murder in Argentina in 1892 and in India in 1898. So it was starting to gain some momentum. So England was behind the times. Yep. So in England until 1905, fingerprints had only solved one crime, that burglary in 1902, but their real success had been in linking criminals to the many aliases they had used over the years to avoid being locked up for longer as repeat offenders. So clever back in the day when it was harder to identify you. Mm Mm-hmm. Like giving the name of your brother, but that's in Florida in like 2009. So memorize okay. your go sibling's well. social security numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in 1904, the old system of identification by sight was conclusively proved fallible when it emerged. Adolf Beck had been wrongly imprisoned for five years after being mistaken for a fraudster. Ooh. He was awarded 5,000 pounds in compensation, and that's in Whoa. 1904. Ooh, that's Whoa. a lot of money. Yeah. Quick, Kenyon, Google it. How Google much was 5,000 pounds? Google it. Google Time, it. money, converter, pounds. I'm going to look up now. <laughs> Porn hub. Porn hub. <laughs> Porn oh, hub. I got distracted. Did you want <laughs> time, money, porn? <laughs> uh, you said porn hub. Is that right? <laughs> Dude, have we told that story on the podcast before? I don't think we actually have. But being listening to the live show keeps reminding me of it because we said it in the car like 5,000 times. 5,000 pounds. <laughs> So the story is, <laughs> okay, so, okay, when I was going on my honeymoon to Zanzibar, which is part of Tanzania, I called ahead, I called my credit cards and just to let them know that I was going to be in Tanzania mm-hmm. and using my credit card and that it wasn't fraud, right? But it was an automated system and the, <laughs> I kept, they kept saying like, say the name of the country where you will be traveling. And I was like, Tanzania. And then she, the voice goes back, you said Kansas. 
Is that right? Is that right? <laughs> no. Like, literally, 25 more Literally times. 20 times. I was freaking out every single time it was, you said Kansas. Kansas. Is that, Is that right? right? <laughs> I was screaming. And then I started to doubt myself and was like, is Tanzania a country? I was like a thousand percent Am I sure. going to Kansas for my honeymoon? <laughs> Am I is in Indiana right now? You said, did I say Kansas? Is that right? Do you I blink and you just wake up in a psych ward? You're yeah, like, you Ooh. question everything you've ever known. <laughs> it drove you completely to insanity. I love it. I love this movie that we're writing. Okay, how much is 5,000 pounds? All right, I don't know, but $5,000. You said dollars. You is said that right? dollars. <laughs> um, would be $141,000 in 2018. Wow. Holy shit. And isn't I the would... pound right now like almost exactly twice the American dollar? No, it's, it's less. It's like one and a half. Oh, it is? I think it's less now because they fucked themselves over with Brexit. Sorry. Classic. Okay. Oops. Well, I mean, we can relate but anyway um so the uniqueness of fingerprints was a key part of the stratton trial although there were still doubts as to whether a single print was strong enough to sustain a case as opposed to all 10 fingers mm. giving evidence detective inspector charles collins told the jury quote at scotland yard we have now between eighty thousand and ninety thousand sets of fingerprints which means between eight hundred thousand and nine hundred thousand impressions of digits because they have 10 Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. times 10. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In my Math. experience, I have never found any two such impressions to correspond. I found that Alfred's right thumb corresponded with the mark on the cash box, and I prepared for the purpose of comparison and enlargement of the mark upon the cash box and one part practically on the same scale of the right thumb on Alfred. So what he was saying was he's Alfred doesn't match any of the prints that they have in their database, but he does appear to match the print that's on that cash box, mm -hmm, but he's mm -hmm. saying it in British, so it's just too long-winded. Right, right. <laughs> I have indicated by red lines and figures 11 characteristics in which those two prints agree. I did not find any characteristic which is visible in the print on the cash box which does not agree. Aha! Aha! And I do have some fingerprint photos on the drive, if mm -hmm. you care, and some police sketches of Alfred and Albert in trial... Just got not looking loops. too happy. We got some whorls. We got loops and whorls. <laughs> so the Stratton brothers were found guilty by the jury after two hours of deliberation. They were like, yeah, okay. Yeah, you did um, And on May 23rd, 1905, they were hanged. Mm -hmm. wah, wah. From that point on, fingerprints were used with confidence to convict innumerable criminals who might have escaped justice otherwise. Mm. But it was only in the late 20th century that their place in the courtroom was supplanted by the new science of DNA. So fingerprint technology was like the jam. For a long time. For a long time. And well, then the if Golden only State Killer. They thought to chew off their fingerprints in Idiots. jail. Yep. Idiot. I'll chew them. Yeah. The only way out is auto cannibalism. And Got even to. then, it generally doesn't work. And then yeah. it still doesn't work. Yeah. And that's right. my case, my proud. Good problems. job. Good my job. Nice. All right. Some special thanks this week. 
Yeah. Let's dive in. All right. Yeah. Special thanks to our special guests this week, Eric and Glenn of the Double Loop Podcast. Yes. yes. Thank you, Glenn and Eric. I had so much fun learning about fingerprints. <laughs> yes. Like, too much fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amanda? To, am I going to go next? Line? Okay. Let's go. Wow. Let's do oh, it. Oh, my goodness. This is. Oh, okay. It's requested. Okay. <clears throat> Megan Bartolo. You have, whoa, increased your donation from $5 to $50 a month. Mm-hmm. Megan. Megan. Megan, my God. Bartoliolo, I guess. And Megan would like to shout out her sister, Carla Cahill, who's <laughs> a naughty little Carla. Okay. A, uh, it's been requested. It's requested that Amanda say something to Carla in the daddy voice. So I'll just say the rest of this in the daddy voice. All of it. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> Carla's birthday is the day this episode airs on February twenty eighth. <laughs> this is harder than it looks. I don't so like. Happy it. birthday, Carla! You're so bad. Little okay. Carla's bad. Silk in danger. I know. Yeah. These ladies are also <laughs> proud Minnesotans. <laughs> and she helped me realize that I deserve a diagnosis for postpartum depression and that my son needed me to take care of my mental health in order to be the mom that he deserves. Yes, Woo! yes, 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 Meg yes, it, yes, yes. Megan, Megan. Oh my God, I love that so much. She's also a social worker by trade and a huge mental health advocate to anyone who will listen. I love this friendship so much. Sister, sister friendship. Megan and Carla, you are amazing, both of you. We're Literal so proud goals. of you. Keep Treat on your brain. keeping on. Bless you. Oh my you. god, I love it. Happy birthday, Carla. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you also to Sky Nally. Mm. You nallied Nally. it. What? You nallied it. Oh. You did nallied it. You encourage us to reach for the sky with your five dollars a month. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sky. I love it. And thank you to Sarah Baker. You are warm and toasty right out Ooh. of the oven. Hot and fresh <laughs> out the kitchen, Sarah Baker. <laughs> and thank you, Tara Swabowski. Swabowski. Mm. I'm Swabowski to give you a little consensual <laughs> peck on the cheek. <laughs> You're not going to Swabowski me. Thank you for thanking your big you. Swabowski donation. Nailed it. <laughs> Thank you for okay. ending that for me. You got a lot. You got a lot out of that. I'm kind of impressed. I just kept pushing. <laughs> big thanks to Nicole Thornton. Matron You're no Thorn Mama our Nicole side. Thornton. <laughs> Shout out to Magdalena Caravo. Gorgeous. You are Mary Magdalena. Mm. Me. Saucy. I got nothing. You're a very caring person. (laughs) Thank you, Gabrielle Hither. Come hither and let me (laughs) caress you in thanks. I don't know. I'm tired. Thanks also, Big Dankashine, Rachel Watson. Watch out. Elementary, my dear Rachel Watson. (laughs) Thank you so much. And shout out to Natalie Zellman. You make me zealously love you. Yes. (laughs) What's a zell, man? 
<laughs> what the hell, man? <laughs> Thank you to Alex Gillespie. I'm Dizzy Gillespie with joy. <laughs> and I burped. And what I a cool burped. first name. A-L-L-I-X. Alex. I love this name. That is Alex cool. Alex Gillespie. Mm. I love it. You're cooler than we'll ever be. So sure. is Tracy Dawes. I am simply in Dawes of your generosity. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and increasing their donation from two to five dollars a month is Abby Linky. Ooh, and I you're want the Linky to in our chain. You are not the weakest Linky. No. <laughs> Mary Sturm also increased their donation from two to five dollars a month. I love those increases. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. so sweet and generous. We mm-hmm. love you, Mary Sturm. Sturm Mary ordered a mug the other day. Really? Yeah. I recognized I like her it. name. I like it. Um, Maria Franz. Oh. Kicking off this uh, $10 a month level, that means you will be getting a free fucking patriarchy wine glass in the mail at some point it. in the future. Mm-hmm. And Maria is donating at the start of the Lunar New Year Happy Year of the Pig, everyone. Woo! Oink. Also and as known as Oink. good meat in Chinese. Yum. Good meat. <laughs> and uh, is donating as a gesture of good luck and fortune to the gals. Maria. Oh, that's really sweet. Thank you, Maria. Oh, my God. That is the nicest thing I've ever heard. And Happy New Year to you as well. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Xinyan Kuala. Yes, Xinyan Kuala. Uh, happy, sh- happy, happy New Year! <laughs> Gluten free. Howla, howla. Um, shout out to Chelsea Carlisle. I am not lying when I tell you I love you. Oh. <laughs> and we love you as much as we could, Dana Conley, for your ten dollar a month donation. You're gonna be getting a fucking patriarchy wine glass in the mail at some point. It's Conley in for you. <laughs> Here it's Conley. We're not Conleying you. Nope. <laughs> All right, thank you to Laura Lynn Pataxel. Ooh, Pataxel. Pataxel sounds like the medicine you want to pack with you on, like, a vacation, just in case. 100%. Did you bring your Pataxel? That is the most Kenyan joke (laughs) I've ever heard in my life. You bring Nailed a fucking it. pharmacy of like French meds. Yeah, you. you're Lisa Rinna with her bag of pills. <laughs> totally. <laughs> no shame. Taxel. That reminds me, it's tax no season. Oh, Everyone God. get your taxes done. Your taxes done. Is mm. it my turn? Okay, Clark. I think so. Clark <laughs> Castillo. Ooh. Uh, your donation is getting you a free fucking patriarchy wine glass, and that is a Castile. Yeah, a Castile of a deal. Can you believe it? So dumb. Jen Olson increased their donation from 2 to $10 a month, so now they're part of an elite club of wine glass holders of the fucking mm. patriarchy variety. Never mm. gets old, son. Never gets Olson. <laughs> All right, kicking off the trash queen level. This will get you a piece of trash from my house. Some dusty trash from Dust's house. I love it. Dust, <laughs> loose dust. Out of fear. the dust. 
rises your prize yeah. for supporting yeah. us financially. So oh, thank gosh. you to Sharon Abatiello. Hmm. Abatiello. I bet you have problems pronouncing your last name like I do. Okay. <laughs> thank you so much, Sharon. Nailed it. Go ahead, Kenyon. Oh, okay. Um, thank you to <laughs> Elspeth Young Hog. Mm-hmm. You are mm-hmm. also going to be getting some dusty, dusty trash, you young hog. You happy oh, year of the I, pig. Oh, my Hasn't God. Hasn't Elspeth been a donor for a while? I feel like she donated a she once did a once off, off before and is now part of the permanent club. Yeah, oh, Elspeth. Sweet baby Els. We love you. Uh, we also love you, Krista Beth, who increased their donation from $10 to $25 a month. Mm. Send yes. us your pick for an episode topic yeah. and or case and or wine if we can procure it in Minnesota. God bless. At Total Wine. Bloomington. Mm, thank you, Allison Henderson, who has increased their pledge from 5 to $50 a month. Well, Allison. holy shit, Allison. Allison. You will be receiving my firstborn child. Totally. <laughs> it's like the first pancake. It's never the best one anyway. <laughs> you want to toss that one. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean. A little bit. A little bit. I'm looking at hey, both I'm of you. The I'm the child. second kid, so I'm the, I'm the only, only I'm the only perfect one of this crew. <laughs> I'm the only Kenyon pancake. came out and her mom was like, I'm not getting in a risk. Something's it. off yep. with this batter. I'm not. Mm. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, I'm really not much of a pancake person. Well. <laughs> she turned to waffles. So shout out to Libby Cave. Mm. Um for giving $25 once off. And Libby would like to shout out her twin sister, Maggie's belated birthday. We got some sister love on this episode. I love that. Pinecone Peggy, you are the best. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you are the best twin sister in the world. I miss you every day, and I'm so proud of you and the work you are doing. Congrats on making it to 24 and for getting that full-time dream job. Way to go, Pinecone Peggy! Oh, my God. Good Good job, Pinecone Pinecone Peggy. Peggy. I did not have my dream job at 24, I'll tell you what. Fucking seriously. (laughs) When did we start this podcast? Get it, Pinecone Peggy. Get it. Get it. Get it. And... Also, $25 once off. Thank you very much. Going to Chelly, Chelly Brit. Chelly is also a Patreon donor because unlike Amanda's exes, they are not afraid of commitment, but they also <laughs> wanted to give a bit extra from their tax refund. How oh, sweet is that? Nice. Thank you, Chelly. Oh, God bless it's you, Chelly. Chelly short for Michelle. Oh. oh. Is it Shelly? I think it's Shelly. I don't know why I think I know that. I think that she that Shelly has emailed us before. Well, Thank shit, Shelly Britt. Well, shit, Shelly Britt. I've done fucked up. I got to thank Glenn and Eric one more time of the Double Loop podcast. Yes. You guys mm. have... <laughs> I have a new obsession, so thank and you. And we would also like to just remind everyone that opinions expressed on the show are those of the individual and not of their employers. Yes. 
What? <laughs> also, this true is on for an us. important note from Eric. It says, "Could you please also say at the oh. end of the episode when you're doing the shoutouts that opinions expressed on the show are those of the individual and not of their employers?" Okay. Also that, so and that's it. also true for us, even though we're our own employers. Well, right, but these guys have other jobs. <laughs> that's true. Thank and you we, so much. We, we dragged out some opinions from them. So. We did. I love it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Get your tickets Thank for you. Florida. Yes. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kali Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. Most importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout-out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Cheers!